York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, Crazy Train, in honor of all the craziness in our subways. Seven train slashings, four train slashings, more crime, more craziness, more out-of-control violence in the subway system uh, of New York City. We'll get to that momentarily as I am approaching the end of my marathon session here. It starts... At Friday night, 12 midnight, goes throughout Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. So nice they have me do it twice, Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoon. And now I'm on the precipice of reaching uh, the 11 o'clock hour in which I wrap it up with the most uh, looked forward to, most called into segment of the many segments that I do here at WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. The Animal Welfare Hour uh, with my uh, lovely wife, the animal rescue uh, extraordinaire, Nancy. By the way, not going to like the fact that in one of his many concerts out there, when he was a member, leader of Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne took a bat and bit its head off. Going to have to ask Nancy about that. Oh, now don't tell me that was urban myth. No, 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 Matt. What would you know? Because you are the board operator for Frank Morano, the oldest young guy in the business. We were playing uh, in the uh, overnight, the other side of midnight, his new theme song with a song from Al Jolson in 1918. And he thinks, that's him. That's happening. That's cool. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, why would I be playing Ozzy Osbourne? And by the way, uh, man, I would not have chosen Crazy Train. I might have picked Paranoid, War Pigs. Yeah, definitely War Pigs or No More Tears. Yeah, maybe No More Tears because Sharon Osbourne, who is uh, his wife in name only. She lives in Los Angeles. uh, No, make that she lives in London. He lives in Los Angeles. Has taken an emergency flight from London's Heathrow Airport to LAX. To join Ozzy Osbourne because apparently in a few hours he will have life-altering surgery. He has a crooked neck, just like one of my 18 rescue cats is named Crooked Neck. Except his crooked neck is no longer preventing him uh, to breathe normally, to function normally. Although I got to tell you, if you've ever heard Ozzy Osbourne of late, it's like uh, pull out the subtitles. It's like uh, a foreign uh, movie when you go to see a foreign movie. I can't even understand what the hell Ozzy Osbourne is saying. Sort of reminded me of uh, that A&E reality show, Growing Up Gotti. Remember with Victoria Gotti? And then she had, what, her three, uh, her three little uh, monsters, uh, Jadrules, John, Frank, Carmine, 
couldn't understand what the hell he was saying. They had to put subtitles in that reality show. Oh, my God. But anyway, Sharon Osbourne has said she's flying to L.A. It'll be their 40th wedding anniversary. But she's hoping uh, that this life-altering surgery to Ozzy Osbourne's neck, isn't it appropriate it's his neck since supposedly he bit off the head of a bat right where the neck is connected to the shoulders? Oh, I'm going to have to ask Nancy about that. I don't think she's going to have any empathy or sympathy for Ozzy Osbourne. Let's open it up to all of you. Uh, do you even know what the hell Ozzy Osbourne says any longer when he has his uh, interviews? I know he's in his 70s. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And by the way, what is your favorite Black Sabbath or Ozzy Osbourne song? Maybe if I like it, I'll give you a Curtis Lee or Booby Prize. Don't ask, don't tell, because I throw nickels around like manhole covers, but it turns out to be a WABC baseball cap. I'm seeing many more of them out in the general population with the brand, the Curtis Lee Show. No, not the Frank Morano Mama Luke Show. That's really what it should say, the Mama Luke Show. Oh, he's coming up tonight. Uh, back from, he calls it Hawaii. They can't even pronounce that, like fromage, like France. What is wrong with that guy? Could he go on another trip? Because I'd like to do his uh, other side of midnight also to the point when he comes back. He won't have anything left except those business report updates, if I have my way. Oh, yeah. And don't forget, don't think, oh, we'll catch up with Curtis uh, next weekend, same time, same place. No. I now serve you lunch. Yeah, I serve you lunch. No hors d'oeuvre, full entree. Monday through Fridays after the Bill O'Reilly 15-minute update from 12 to 12.15. Then I'm on from 12.15 to 1. And I do what is called a rip-and-reading commentary. No calls. A rip-and-read. But these are the kind of shows that are dependent on you, the callers. I don't have guests. Guests, oh, my God. You know what the guest is going to say, right? You're not going to shake a guest. But callers sometimes can say the strangest things. Sometimes they can get into an area of conversation that is deep, that is meaningful. And the better that call, the longer you get to talk. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of Ozzy Osbourne, who is the geriatric espresso-sipping guy who needs subtitles in his 70s, uh, I guess he'll be doing something on MTV or VH1, whatever. But, you know, he's not hip. He's not fly. He wouldn't have been in Governor's Ball. By the way, Governor's Ball, I guess they upgraded themselves, or at least they thought they did, by going from Randall's Island to City Field. Yeah, Stephen Cohen, who belongs in jail for insider trading information, the New York Mets owner, I hate him, I loathe him, I despise him, uh, allowed City Field to be used for all these degenerates to descend for the governor's ball. Oh, there they were. I, I noticed there was Shaquille O'Neal, rapper YJ. What the hell was Shaquille O'Neal doing there? What is he, their grandfather? All these young hipster millennials, Generation X, C, Y, they were all performing. But they were missing uh, one of their key members of their entourage, of their group, Roddy Rich. Yeah, Roddy Rich. Yeah, he was rolling up. In his black Cadillac Escalade. It was 6.30 last night outside of City Field. And there was a Checkpoint Charlie by the private security 
of City Field, not the NYPD. Not enough of them of late. We're going to discuss that later because they are retiring in record numbers and being recruited by other municipalities in record numbers. So anyway, there's a checkpoint, Charlie. So here comes Roddy Rich with his homies. You know, what is he, one of these Grammy rappers? Come on, man. Grammy rapper. They're all Grammy rappers, right? Self-appointed Grammy rappers. Uh, what is he, one of these rappers now? They... <laughs> Hey, look at look at my social networking. I'm the flavor of the moment. So anyway, he rolls up with his uh, entourage in a black Cadillac Escalade. And the private security officer says, out of the car. What? You know who I am? Doesn't matter. Out of the car. We got to check every car coming in to City Field. Orders from headquarters. I ain't getting out of my car. No, no. You know who I am? He said, no, I don't know who you are. You can't do it. No, no. You, you know who I am? No, no, no. So finally, he admits that he's got to follow the rules or he's not going to get on the stage for Governor's Ball. So him and his homies, you know, they've been smoking blunts all the way. They open up the window and you need a, you need a blast furnace uh, basically to cut uh, in the smoke. And the private security officer says, what, what's that bulge uh, in your pants? And I'm not talking about your libido or your three-piece set. Oh, you mean my nine? Fully loaded nine millimeter. And then, could I check underneath the seat? You ain't going to find anything. Can I check under the seat? No, no, no. Ain't nothing under the seat. He checks under the seat. And what does he find? An extended magazine. So guess who didn't make it to the stage Saturday night at Governor's Ball? And you would have thought, oh, that's bad. No. All of a sudden, the people on the stage, yeah. Yeah, he's got street cred, Roddy, street cred. Yeah, yeah, he's keeping it real, man. They're taking him. They're taking him to the precinct. These people are whacked. Now, did Eric Adams make an example of him? You know, on Saturday, he was in that big march over the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, against gun violence for gun control. Uh, I remember Michael Bloomberg. You may have remembered it, too. 2009, who was it? Plaxico Burris? Uh, the New York Giants was at the club raising the roof, and the idiot had on sweatpants and was carrying a Glock, and he shot himself in his own leg. <laughs> He's like six foot nine. He's like lurch. He shoots himself in his own leg, and you would have you would have thought, hey, you know, we give a little slack to Plaxico Burns. No, Michael Bloomberg throwing a buck at him. Guy ended up getting two years. Remember. For the Glock, for shooting himself. Unlike Sean Puff Daddy Combs, who, along with J-Lo, his home slice at the time, and his protege, Shine, remember they were in that Times Square uh, club? And he shot the club up because some gangster came up to him and threw money in his face. And then it went to trial, and then all of a sudden, he was represented by Benjamin Bramfman, attorney to the mobsters choking on their lobsters. And everybody in court said, oh, Sean Puff Daddy Cone, P. Diddy, never saw him before in my life. No, you were in that club, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw J-Lo there, never saw her before in my life. You weren't at the table right next to them. No, I'm sorry, you got the wrong people. And the guy walked on that. He walked, even though he shot up the club, and his protege, Shine, from Belize, took the rap. By the way, a lot of people don't know that Shine was the son of the Prime Minister of Belize. How many of you can find Belize on the map, right? That should be a Jeopardy question. Well, where is Belize? And all you Jeopardy's folks, you know, like Bernard, Bernard McGurk, uh, he loves uh, him and his wife. They love Jeopardy. Frank Morano and Rachel, they love Jeopardy. Don't interrupt them during Jeopardy. 
Interrupt them during sex before you interrupt them during Jeopardy. I hate Jeopardy. But anyway, I'm digressing. So here it is. Look at how they did. Eric Adams said nothing about this L.A. rapper who got cold busted by a private security officer at City Field at Governor's Ball carrying a fully loaded 9mm and having an extended magazine under his seat. You would have thought he would have had a press conference on that. You know why he didn't say anything? Because Roddy Rich, his complexion is his protection. He's not a white supremacist. Oh, my God. There would have been a lockdown in the city. There was God. They're invading our city. Next thing you know, they're going to be at Bed Bath & Beyond. You know, they'll be going to the white sheet sales. They'll be getting ready for gay pride like they did out in Idaho, right? Watch. That, that's what they're going to say. That's what they're going to say. But anyway, I digress again. I want to know, what the hell was Shaquille O'Neal? What is he, like 82 years old now? What was he doing at Governor's Ball? Is he snacking on, on the young stuff? You know, his wife just uh, said, you know, Shaquille, you, you, you really did me wrong. He, yeah, he, yeah, 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 I know. I know I was pretending to be a deputy sheriff riding around. Remember that farce? Meantime, he was like snacking on every woman he could find. I'm a deputy sheriff. No, you're not. You're Shaquille O'Neal. No, I'm a deputy sheriff. I'm pulling you over. Your Mercedes, you know, your Benz, your Beamer. Show me your identification. You, you, you want me to show you something else, don't you, Shaquille? I know who you are. You put those patches on your back. That's not me. I'm a deputy sheriff here in Dade County. What the hell was, what was Shaquille O'Neal doing at Governor's Ball? I think you got to be like 23 or younger to be at Shaquille O'Neal. They caught you, right? An old guy like that, man, they should be saying, hmm. Oh, by the way, his homie. Snoop Dogg, you know, Snoop Dogg, um, was he with Martha Stewart, his home slice there? Uh, how old is Martha Stewart? She's like 99, right? I think she uh, does Puff Puff Pass with Snoop Dogg. You almost have to. Uh, but he does that show with Martha Stewart. You know, she's very waspy, and he's very urban, very street. Well, Snoop Dogg made a major announcement because, you know, he's like a Fortune 500 company. Because of all the weed he sells. You know, he's corporately selling legal weed. Snoop Dogg has admitted that he has a full-time personal blunt roller. This guy, he pays $40,000 a year to roll blunts for him. And he had to give him a pay increase because of inflation. Now, I don't know if he uh, blamed Putin or Biden. The hell, he's so high, he probably doesn't know the difference between Putin and Biden. But he claims that because of inflation, he is now paying his blunt roller $50,000 a year. All the guy does is separate seeds and stems from the pot, the chronic out there. And then he rolls the blunts. You know, they hollow out. What, a Dutch master? You know, Philly? No, 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 no. Uh, for him, it's got to be the Cohiba. You know, that's his blunt. You know, the Monte Cristo. Uh, he ain't going back to uh, what he used to do in South Central L.A. You know, with Philly, Philly Blunts, Dutch Masters. Oh, that's the lowest of the low, Dutch Masters. What, with the cherry, the cherry taste? Yeah, some of you Gavones out there say, oh, yeah, give me your Dutch Masters. I love the aroma of cherry. Meantime, all you hear out there, uh, 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 cherry mufflers, cherry mufflers, right? Cherry bomb mufflers. Hey, Eric Adams, what are you going to do about that? We're going to talk about all the cars being stolen with or without the cherry bomb mufflers, which sounds like uh, it's a battleground in the Ukraine. Ah, 
No tickets. They don't pull them over. No, no, no. Quality of life violation. You know what my kumbari chief Rudy Giuliani used to do? Zero tolerance, right? He's a little overboard, Rudy. He used to have the cops there with Geiger, Geiger counter detectors, you know. Uh, they call it noise abatement. So they roll up on you if you had your radio. It didn't matter, you know, FM, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, uh, free marijuana or Frank Morano. It, it didn't matter if it was FM or AM, WABC. Could have been the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, right, in the afternoon drive. If it was one decibel over. And they got it on their Geiger counter. They pulled you over, and they told truck to your car to the pound. That was Rudy. And you couldn't get up and dance in a bar or a cabaret. No dancing. What was that? Piglets and uh, bras or whatever that was uh, down in the meatpacking district. He locked it up. He shut it down. That was extreme. I, I would say that's extreme. We could have yeah, a little Snoop Dogg here and Dr. Dre. They love capitalism. Dr. Dre, you know, he had those headphones, uh, the Dre phones. He's like a billionaire now. Although he keeps abusing his domestic partners like there's no tomorrow. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, pay him off. Bang, 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 bang. Pay him off. And then, of course, there's Snoop Dogg with Martha Stewart. Uh, he's got his own personal blunt roller. <laughs> hey, who's coming on the flight? Well, I have my own personal blunt roller here. Uh, well, you have to fill him out, you know, on the chart here. We, we got to account for him. Uh, you know, triple life without parole, got out of San Quentin, didn't go to the gas chamber, and now all of a sudden he's Snoop Doggy's dog, a professional blunt roller who just got a $10,000 increase because of inflation. Now, Snoop Dogg doesn't know the difference between Biden or Putin or doesn't care. To 50 G's, and he was complaining, Snoop Dogg. Meantime, uh, let's talk about uh, the issue of the day at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. There was a purple haze that engulfed certain parts of the parade. By the way, parade was not well attended as it has been years before. Okay, it's been two years on the rack uh, because of the lockdown and the pandemic. March of 2020, but not a big turnout. No, no, no. Daily News says a million people showed up along Fifth Avenue. Were they smoking Maui Waui and Hindu Kush? Or did the guy just write it in based on past parades? Let me tell you something. I've been going to Puerto Rican Day parades uh, up Fifth Avenue since 1982 when El Jefe Ramon Velez, who was a city councilman, crooked, like uh, Louis Giganti, the priest, the brother of Vinnie the Chin Giganti, who also was a councilman in the South Bronx, crooked. But he became the chairman of the annual Puerto Rican Day Parade, and he approached me. He said, Corte Silva, vaya! No, no, no. It's Sliwa. You want to pronounce it the right way, Polish way, Ukrainian way, Russian way? It's uh, Sliwa. He said, well, you're not a Boricua. You're not Curtis Silva. Baya, Puerto Rico. No, 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 no. It's part Polish, part Italian. I busted his bubble. Uh, but in past parades, people would be smoking Puff Puff Pass illegally. You know, Latin kings would be in the crowd. Amodere. Latin queens. Amodere. And then there'd be the nietas and every other social misfit in existence who was a gangbanger. But they'd be smoking refi- illegally. Now, because uh, it's legal, the recreational use of marijuana, it seems like a purple haze has descended over Manhattan. And it was earlier today on Fifth Avenue. Uh, 
I think I got a contact high. I I walked a parade route three times. Not once, not twice, three times. I got to tell you, if uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, owner and operators of our parent company, Red Apple Media, decided to have a surprise uh, uh, drug test for marijuana, and I took to, into the little boy's room, the little cup, I would fail. There's no doubt I would fail from the contact high, the secondary smoke. But it became an, an issue in this recent Democratic uh, gubernatorial primary. By the way, all three of the candidates, uh, the Democrats, were at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. No Republicans. So typical. No Republicans. When will they learn? When will they learn? You've got to go into neighborhoods, Republicans, where the only Republican they've ever seen is Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill. And speaking of $5 bills, nickel bag, nickel bag, nickel bag. So the moderator of the Democratic uh, gubernatorial debate that featured uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, and I call her Holcomb because she's full of nonsense. Her approval ratings are in the tank, the turlet, 36%. There was uh, Congressman Tom Swazi, who I saw today at the parade. He was riding in like a... An open car, like an open Chevy. I say, hey, guy, you're a white boy. You know, (laughs) you're really pushing it. Uh, With Diana Reyna, who's this lieutenant governor uh, candidate. Now, she's props. You know, she's Dominican. She was the deputy borough president for Eric Adams. So I ran up to her and I said, Diana, uh, how do you like how Eric's doing? The swagger man has no plan. She said, Curtis, I'm trying to become the lieutenant governor. win the Democratic primary. Why are you embarrassing me? Because that's what I do. And then, of course, there was Jumani Williams, who's so far to the left that, in fact, Vladimir Lenin would say, my God, he's more left than we are here as communists. I mean, this guy is so far to the left. He wants to defund all the police, defund prisons. He hates the military. Yet, Jumani Williams, the public advocate, which means he lives on our tax dollar. He does nothing all day except run for higher office, like they've all done, like Comrade Bill de Blasio did like uh, Tish James did, like uh, Mark Green did when the uh, job was first created, uh, the patronage no-show job. The only one who uh, didn't uh, seek higher office was Scott Bound. Remember, she was the uh, public advocate for Michael Bloomberg, and he used to like to do what uh, Jeff Bezos does, fly helicopters, and we begged him, don't fly a helicopter, please, because if you go down at Floyd Bennett Field, Scott Bound is the mayor. <gasps> But she decided not to run for higher office. The only one, the only public advocate not to do that. So here's Jumani Williams. She's in the parade, and he's waving to the crowd. You know, he hates the police. He hates uh, the correctional officers, and he hates the military. Yet he has the hubris, the chutzpah, the coulions to actually live on the active military base uh, in Fort Hamilton in the shadow of the Verrazano Bridge in Dyker Heights. And every day he goes in, he's got to show his identity papers to the military police. In an SUV that we, the sucker taxpayers, fund 24-7-365. With a police entourage that he has available to him 24-7-365. Hey, you see, you can defund the police except when it's for yourself. Uh, so anyway, he was there. And yes, uh, Crime Wave Kathy Holcomb. Uh, she was in the parade, but I couldn't see her. She's like a shorty short. I, I mean, they're going to have to do something. She is so short, you need an electron microscope and red dye to see her. She was just swallowed up by all the Democrats surrounding us. Do you have a job? Crime wave Kathy Holcomb, do you have a job for me in Albany? I haven't been working for like two or three years. I'll do anything. 
I'll sell myself out. I'll sell my soul. Couldn't even see it. But all three of them were asked a question about the looming problem that exists in New York City and in many of the surrounding suburbs. What do you do when you have to go through that purple haze, when there is a plume of smoke that has descended on your circumference, your space? First, it was the moderator who posed the question that I felt was probably the most important question of that entire boring debate. With marijuana now legal, Mr. Swazi, what are you going to do to protect those adults and children who don't want to be exposed to and forced to inhale marijuana smoke? Now, you've seen Tom Swazi, right? He's the cardboard cutout, typical uh, politician, every hair in place, you know, moose. You know this guy don't smoke. No, he knocks it back. I wouldn't doubt he goes home, man. He's blitzed, you know, Jameson, full glass, uh, doesn't water it down. But this guy probably never smoked a joint in his life. Anyway, this was Tom Swazi's answer. It's very important as far as education, and it's very important as far as People can only smoke in legal locations. So you shouldn't be able to smoke out in the open air, uh, the same as you're not allowed to drink out in the open air. Tom, how come you didn't say any, anything to all the people in the crowd who were smoking today at the annual Puerto Rican Day Parade? Not the majority, but quite a few. I smelled Sensimilia. I really did. That's how strong it was. Oh, I, I, with the bullhorn. All right. You can't be smoking here. They would have treated him like Kramer. Remember in the old Seinfeld episode when he burnt that, repo- uh, that uh, Puerto Rican flag and the Nietas and the Latin Kings chased him and turned him into a speed bump? So there's Tom Swazi. who doesn't know what the hell he's talking about when it comes to pot and purple haze. So let's give uh, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb an opportunity to answer it. I'm working with our Commissioner of Health to put together a PSA right now to talk about how we have to respect each other's space. <laughs> a PSA. <laughs> how about a public Sliwa announcement? Huh? Let me make the announcements. You're going to put that blunt out? You're going to shotgun me with that smoke? You're going to smoke while my kid is here? And my kid's got to get the secondary smoke? How about I hit you so hard your mother will feel the vibrations? Huh? How about that? A, P- a new-style PSA where I threaten people. The public Sliwa announcement. Actually paid for by you, the sucker taxpayers. Boy, that was a lame answer. But let's try the guy we know. We know he's like every time. It's Bob Marley Day for him. Peter Tosh in the Whalers. Man, this guy is probably, uh, I would say... I'm looking at Jumani Williams, graduated Brooklyn Tech. I would bet you uh, that he probably has an atrium in his basement and has hydroponics. Same places where you uh, shouldn't drink, you shouldn't smoke marijuana. Wait a second. You can drink anywhere in New York City now. Nobody, There's no enforcement. There's no zero tolerance. Remember the old open container law? You go into your bodega there, Matt. You'll be getting your 99-cent Ernest and Julio G chemical wine, you know, with the twist off on the top, and they said, keep it in the bag. It's Giuliani time. You know, you could be charged with a felony if you take it out of the bag. And then all of a sudden, you felt your machismo. I don't care who Giuliani is. I'll drink in public. And the next thing you know, you were in the DT office at Midtown South, and they were sweating you down. You said, just give me a ticket. No. No, my little pretty. Uh, what do you know about uh, boosting in the neighborhood? Uh, bait and switches. You wouldn't be able to leave until you coughed up information. 
That was Giuliani time. Now it's like, hey, do whatever you want. It's late, safe, fair. By the way, speaking of Giuliani time, uh, the lead story today is that Andrew Giuliani was preparing for the first GOP gubernatorial debate. It's being hosted by CBS Channel 2, uh, uh, the dean of broadcasters, Marsha Kramer, uh, and some of her colleagues. It's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. All of a sudden, they dropped a... uh, I, I would say a um, atomic bomb on his head on Friday. They had sent rules like weeks ago saying you got to be tested. And he said, of course, you want me to test every day. I'll test twice a day. You can put that swizzle stick up my nose three times a day. Not my tuchus, my nose. Okay, just test me, rapid test, long-term test, whatever you want. And the other candidates, uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, Rob Astorino, and Harry Wilson said, likewise, yeah, yeah, no problem, we'll, we'll test. And then on Friday, all of a sudden, they said, hey, Andrew, I understand you're not vaccinated. You're opposed to mandates. They didn't say that, but you know they were thinking that. The lawyers. What do lawyers do all day? They practice their martial arts. I sue. And then when they can't sue you, they, they basically circle the, 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 the wagon train to make sure that their corporate masters are not going to be sued or have a problem. So they, they, they try to find the nuances of the language to prevent you from living a real life. So they basically said, the lawyers at uh, BlackRock CBS, hey, guess what, Andrew? You can't be in the studio for the debate. What? Like, excuse me, they don't even test you when you come in from Botswana anymore, right? <laughs> International flights, they don't even test you. You can walk into the country. You could have monkeypox, right? You can have a big radar sign on you. I have just come from the Congo and Nigeria. I am infected with monkeypox. I'm radiating with monkeypox. And we don't have to test you. It's okay. Come on in. Spread it. Don't don't worry about it. It's okay. But you didn't get vaccinated, Andrew Giuliani, huh? Okay, we'll fix you. First, it was uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo and de Blasio. Remember, you're fired. Remember what they did to all the healthcare workers? Uh, the valiant cops and firefighters, sanitation uh, men, the teachers, you're fired. They couldn't seek unemployment, couldn't make their mortgage payments. Uh, 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 you, you claim that you're for the working men, working women. They weren't. You didn't listen to me. I'm in charge. Sort of like Napoleon in Animal Farm. We're all equal except I'm better than all of you. And so we thought, hey, maybe with crime wave Kathy Holcomb, she'll lighten it up. Uh, Eric Adams, you know, he's too busy uh, raising the roof at Zero Bond and all the nightclubs at night. He probably wouldn't take that. No, I want to have full control. You either get vaccinated or you're fired. So Andrew Giuliani, to his credit, has been principled. He's always been opposed to the mandates. And he said, hey, I'm not vaccinated. So the way they're going to do this debate is, remember Hollywood Squares? Everybody was in a box. Paul Lynn, remember Paul Lynn? I'm pretty sure he was gay. You think Paul, Paul Lynn was gay in Hollywood Squares? I think I'm safe in saying that Paul Lynn was gay. Am I safe in saying that or am I going to be branded a homophobe? I think Paul Lynn was definitely very gay. Uh, more on the high side than the low side. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. So Andrew Giuliani is going to be in this uh, Hollywood Squares box. While Lee Zeldin, the congressman, Rob Astorino, former Westchester County executive, and Harry Wilson, who uh, almost beat um, the controller of the state of New York, 
Uh, in fact, I was with the controller at the march. He was the only Democrat who actually came up to me. <laughs> Tom, Tom knows. Uh, I want to keep uh, Sliwa close to me because he's always railing against me. Uh, he almost beat the controller 10, eight, ten years ago. So this is a very competitive race. Uh, the over-under point spread says right now with the many polls that have been done, the leaders of the pack are Andrew Giuliani and Lee Zeldin. They're in the first tier. And Astorino and Harry Wilson are in the second tier. But it's very competitive. It's going to be kind of unfair if they put um, Andrew Giuliani next to Paul Lynn in the Hollywood Square box. Maybe they'll share a box. This way, Andrew can show You see, I'm gay-friendly. I know it's Gay Pride Month. I love Paul Lynn. I love his comedy. Paul, are you gay? I can't answer that question. Because back then, remember when he was in Hollywood Squares... You never asked that question. Oh, no. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. What is this, Matt? You think they're I'm pimping Joe Piscopo's uh, Frank Sinatra two hour extravaganza ride sponsored by um, Ramsey Monster? You think you think I would do that to Jersey Joe, pimp his ride with a Frank Sinatra song? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Oh, coffee! Coffee! The high octane for everyone in the tri-state area. You might be a tea drinker, you know, Lipton, celestial seasons. That means you're a hipster or millennial. And then there are a lot of you Jewish folks. You drink Tetley tea. You have no idea why you drink Tetley tea. I go into their homes. You know, they got, uh, they got, uh, it's a kosher household, so they got two sets of plates, uh, you know, for dairy and meat. They had no idea. I said, let me ask you a question, Zelda. Why do you drink Tetley tea? I don't know. You know, my booby, my Zeta drank Tetley tea. You have no idea why you drink Tetley tea instead of uh, Lipton tea. No, I really don't know. Well, let me tell you something. There was a uh, figure who used to do two broadcasts a day. Arthur Godfrey. He was a host of a show on television, and he was a host on radio. You know, sort of a, what can we call him, the... Uh, Rock Red, the All-American Conservative Voice of Reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, and Sean Hannity of his day. Did TV, did radio. And he had the cup of Lipton on his desk. And while he was sipping Lipton, he'd be making anti-Semitic remarks. He really hated Jews. You know, like Jay-Z, you know, uh, Jay-Z. Oh, why do Jews own all the real estate in the world? What a schmuck, what a putz. Oh, LeBron James, now a billionaire. Remember when he said... Yeah, it's nice to play basketball for Jewish money, idiot. So anyway, he would make all these anti-Semitic remarks, Arthur Godfrey, and Jews would say, we'll fix you. We're not drinking Lipton. Even if we don't like Tetley, we're going to drink eight cups of Tetley tea a day and bleed Tetley tea. So naturally, it's been handed down like the Ten Commandments, like the Torah, the Talmud. I go to a Jewish house, why are you drinking Tetley? Uh, I don't know. Do you know that the only two places they sell Tetley is in Miami Beach, where all the altacacas are waiting to die? 
and waiting for the Bluebird special, and naturally in New York City, which has more Jews than almost anywhere else in the world. Now you learn something. You learn something. The reason I'm playing that Frank Sinatra and pimping uh, Joe Piscopo's ride, the coffee song, is that this guy, Howard Schultz, you know who Howard Schultz is, CEO of Starbucks. Uh, it's like his third time he's the CEO. He acts like the company can't survive without him. You know, $5 for a cup of stale coffee. They can't survive without Howard Schultz. Anyway, Howard Schultz was a Canarsie boy. Grew up in the Bayview Housing Projects. Didn't have two nickels to rub together. In fact, used to babysit for John Sally. Remember the great NBA star? Played for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, then the L.A. Lakers. It's a great broadcaster. Now John Sally. I remember talking with John Sally. He goes, Curtis. We used to roll strong, you know, 15 of us, because they tried to rip off our, our Air Jordans, our Nikes, and our Pumas. You had to roll strong in Canarsie. I said, I didn't roll with anybody. Because that's because everybody called you psychotic. That's okay. Well, I digress. Put that to the side. So anyway, here's Howard Schultz in real trouble. The third time he's come back as CEO. Remember he had that failed attempt to run for the presidency as an independent candidate? I'm a liberal. I'm a progressive. I love my workers. I don't refer to them as workers. They're my partners at Starbucks. You baristas, you're my partners. And they said, where's our dividends? Shut up. You're our partner. Yeah, you got a title. What more do you want? So anyway, Howard Schultz came back a third time as CEO because Starbucks is starting to unionize. And up in Ithaca, uh, they had three Starbucks and they all voted to unionize, which is their right. The National Labor Relations Board. So he made a decision like Julius Caesar in the Colosseum in Rome, thumbs down. I'm closing all three Starbucks stores, including the one at Cornell University. How can an Ivy Leaguer survive without a double latte el grande, right? How are they going to absorb an academic curriculum, Ivy League? So now all those Cornell undergrads are going crazy. You're depriving us of our Starbucks? Mommy... Mommy, Daddy, I know I'm living off my blind trust, but I got to have my Starbucks. So now all these parents are upset. The administrators of Cornell are upset. And here's Howard Schultz saying, tough noogies, you're going to organize a union. We're going to close this store. Well, he's had 100 stores that have unionized. What is he going to do? Close 100 Starbucks? Knowing this guy, he'll probably try to do it. He's such a fake, phony, fraudulent fugazi. By the way, in his speech one day, somebody raised their hand. He was at Barnes & Noble selling that book that didn't sell. You know, he was interviewed on 60 Minutes. He's at Barnes & Noble. said, hey, you know, Curtis Lee, he talks about you all the time. He's from Canarsie. Does that fascist with the red beret. Yeah. Oh, you call me a fascist? You think I'm ever going to forget that? Hey, Howie, I don't forgive and I don't forget. But I digress. Now we see that Howard Schultz is doing what Terrence Moynihan did at the height of Black Lives Matter. Remember in Washington uh, Square Park. I remember it was June of 2020. And Black Lives Matter was there, led by uh, Hawk Newsom, who now rides around in a $100,000 brand-new Cadillac Escalade, courtesy of all you suckers out there who thought you could buy peace. So anyway, he's there in Washington Square Park, and here's Terrence Moynihan. Been in the, the police department like 38 years, you know, back in the day when everybody was Irish. And Terrence Moynihan took the knee. Remember he took the knee? And it was over when I saw that. I said, it's over. It's over. There's no hope. Black Lives Matter will rule. Antifa will rule. And they did. 
They did. They, they went on rioting sprees, looting and shooting right after he took that knee in Washington Square Park. So who took a knee? Howard Schultz. Look at this guy. He's crying. Please, I need my workers in our offices all across the world. Please come back into the office. Pretty please. With whipped cream on top. Return to your office. I will get down on my hands and knees. I will do anything. I will prostate myself. In fact, you know one of those stirs they always put in your your Starbucks cup of coffee, whether you want it or not? I will impale myself with a stir unless you come back. In fact, this is how he's trying to lure workers back into the office buildings of Starbucks. It's international headquarters in Seattle and offices all over the world now. Obviously, it's a global company. He's giving them each day. He's saying, if you come in, I will provide you with a super venti flat white. You know how much that is? Hey, come on, come on. you, Matt. I don't know you. You probably drink Sanka instant coffee, you schmuck. Uh, <laughs> you, they see you in Starbucks. They probably throw you out. They say, your money is not welcome here, Matt. And by the way, that odor that seems to be following you, that uh, flotsam and jetsam, take it outside. But anyway, so he's promising them the most expensive cup of coffee, the most expensive drink that Starbucks sells. He said you can have it each day if you come to work. A super venti flat white. What the hell is that? Now, is he a sellout or what? Yes, he is. Call me a fascist, huh? Huh? Did I ever tell the story about how you used to go up and down Flatlands Avenue looking for card games in the Lucchese Social Clubs of Pauli Vario, yeah? And remember how you used to cry when they came to collect the VIG in the Bayview Housing Projects? You want to call me a fascist? I can tell tales about you, Howard Schultz, but I want to talk about an administrative judge now that we brought up Black Lives Matter, better known now as Big Large Mansions who committed the rip-off of the century in 2020 and 2021. They got millions and millions of corporate dollars, individual donations. People put Black Lives Matter signs in their windows so that their window wouldn't be busted, so they wouldn't become a victim of looting or arson. You know, it's basically one big shakedown. Well, an administrative judge rejected a complaint from the U.S. National Labor Relations Board that Home Depot, Home Depot, violated employees' rights by barring them from displaying BLM gear. They sided with Home Depot, and they said, you want to wear BLM gear or Black Lives Matter button, or you want to go up to other employees like they were doing and saying, uh, do you believe that Black Lives Matter, uh, matter Black Lives Matter, and is Matt mumbling and stumbling? Oh, of course. I don't want to offend black people, or Black Lives Matter matter more than me. You want me to kill myself right here? I'm just a miserable Caucasian person, a snow bro. You're absolutely right. All black lives matter. But, God, if you in Home Depot said, well, yes, of course I agree, black lives matter, but all lives matter. That's racist. What do you mean it's racist? Don't all lives matter? No. No, 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 no. That's not the flavor of the year 2020 or 2021. But now in 2022, an administrative judge rejected the complaint from the U.S. National Labor Relations Board. Can you believe that? The U.S. National Labor Relations Board was siding with big, large mansions in the biggest ripoff of the century. But they stood with Home Depot. And they said, no, 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 no. 
Home Depot did not violate employees' rights by barring them from displaying Black Lives Matter gear and forcing all of the white workers to scream out, Black Lives Matter, my life is of no consequence. I'm a person of no consequence. (sighs) This is good. I feel noxious. You know, I feel regenerated in 2022. I fought Black Lives Matter and Antifa in the streets of Midtown and Seoul. I got a broken jaw. We protected the small mom and pop shops, right? And you all said to me, what are you doing that for? Why don't you just fold like a cheap camera? Do what Terrence Moynihan and Dermot Shea and the other members of the police department did. Take a knee, buck and bow, and acknowledge they're in charge. Hey, they're in charge of Ugats. That's what I said then, and that's what I say now. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Anne Maria, who's calling from Little Neck, Queens. I was just out there, Little Neck, Douglaston. I was the Grand Marshal of the annual Veterans Day Parade, Anne Marie. Yes, I know. It's very exciting. So a couple of things, yes. uh, Curtis. I got my hat, so thank you. I was very excited. Got the hat earlier last week. Now, let me ask you a question, Emory. When that had arrived, U.S. Postal Service, mm-hmm. and you opened up that, that envelope and you touched it and you felt it and you saw, my God, this is really good stuff. This is not polyester, cheap stuff. This is quality right. stuff. Yeah. Did Did you have a little tingle go up the back of your leg? Like, in... uh, No. <laughs> Oh, Sorry. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. We'll get there. Right. We'll get there. Yeah. And then secondly, you, you brought up a very topic dear to my heart, metal music. Oh, so I want to share my favorite Black Sabbath song is War Pigs. That has got to be the most awesome song. All right? Yes. There you go. You know who a war pig is? Dick Cheney. Neocon. Oh, yeah, Remember? Yeah, yep. Yep. If you listen to the words, absolutely. Oh, weapons yep. of mass destruction. My little right, pretties. So my question to you, so I got a couple more things before you go. So I want to know, when do we get, get some metal music on WABC? You're right. There should be some times during the week, right, when Frank is on his uh, hiatus days or, or his hybrid days? Uh, notice, uh, Anne-Marie, he's been taking a lot of hiatus days of late, going to shoot craps <laughs> at the Borgata and losing all of his money. I encourage hey. that. I encourage hey, that because then I do for, it. I'm uh, being the uh, metal queen of WABC, so just... Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'll have a conversation with John Katsimatidis. He did say he is interested in expanding his vast radio empire now. He was just yeah. the keynote speaker at Talkers Magazine, their, their convention at Hofstra University Friday. Frank actually received the award for the best interview. Oh, yeah. That's oh, great. man. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we all got we all got a bow to Frank Morano now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's ridiculous. I can't, I can't listen to him anymore, but unfortunately. Well, this is the problem, Anne-Maria. Uh, he plays Al Josen's song from 1918, oh. and he considers that hip and happening. No, no. We need some metal. We got to metal up uh, the station, all right? Because we're really not being represented anymore in this area. There's really no rock music or stations. You know, I can't listen to... The other ones that play that stuff. That's you know, true. But, and, and let me let me tap into your mindset. Do you know what was the first heavy metal song ever? And it actually, the leader of the band came out of Forest Hills, Queens. Do you know who that was? Oh, my God. You got me. The first metal song? I thought that was Black Sabbath was the first Oh, Mississippi Queen. You're talking about, uh, oh, what's his name? I can't remember now. Leslie West, better known as Leslie Weinstein. He truncated yep, that name. Yep. 
That would have been difficult saying, oh, and lead guitarist, Leslie Weinstein, Leslie West, Felix Capugliardi, and Corky Lang on the drums. They played at Woodstock 1969, Anne-Marie. They were the first heavy metal group in the United States. Yep, yep. See, see, I, I can do this kind of a show, Anne-Marie. You know why? Why not me? You have Vinnie Maduno. You have Cousin Brucie. You obviously have uh, Dina Martin. And, of course, let me not leave out Jersey Joe with the Sinatra. Why not Curtis? Heavy metal, uh, electric da- electronic dance music, and, of course, disco. Right, right. Oh, Am yeah, I right, Emory? No, I'm more of a new wave. Like, you oh. kind of born out of this stuff. Oh, so, oh, oh know? really? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, Depeche Mode and all those that oh, decorate stuff. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, Depeche Mode. Uh, is that a flavor at Starbucks now? I'll have a no. Depeche Mode here with a little bit of whipped cream. <laughs> How much is that? $38.50. Yeah, exactly. You notice that exactly. in Starbucks, they've always had inflation, right? From day one, $5 oh, yeah. for a stale cup of coffee. Yeah, ooh, ooh, yeah, it's ooh. not my favorite. Ooh, wait a second. It's coming. It's coming at us. Enough. Yep. Oh, 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 oh. Does this, does this tinkle your heart, uh, Anne-Marie? Yeah, but I'm still more of a metal girl, so. Oh, no, it's okay. I, n- enough, Matt, enough. Uh, next thing you're going to be playing Boy George, right? Uh, no, yeah, none no. of that. Please, please, uh, Boy George. Uh, and then the last I want to talk about is those uh, mufflers over here in the 111th Precinct. Every Friday, and they go up and down through the neighborhood here, and people start calling in, you know, gunshots, gunshots. But it's it's the backfiring of these cars. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're called uh, cherry cherry bomb mufflers. Now, you go to Midas Muffler, right? You know, remember years ago, it used to be if you didn't have a muffler, if your muffler fell off and it was making noise. You were paranoid. You said, oh, i got to get the Midas muffler. Yeah, I had one of those. It was I had a 79 Velari. Oh, 79 Velari. Oh, wait a second. (laughs) You think that's bad? Frank Morano has a yellow Ford Pinto, which, like, explodes when it's hit. Oh, yeah. Yep, they were all recalled back in the day. Yep. Yeah, I yeah. Had, but, but, but anyway, anyway Anne-Marie, what happened? What happened? What happened? What? What happened oh, with no, your I muffler? Had a, I had the catalytic converter went, that was a, and I had a, I couldn't afford, so I just took the whole thing out, and I well, just put a pipe. Anne-Marie, <laughs> and, well, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. This is 2022. Yeah. Uh, they steal catalytic converters when you oh, when you sleep it. Broke into my car about a month ago. They, yeah. I have a you know a new car and they did break into it, but they couldn't get at it because I'm on like an incline. And they they broke it. They yes, they broke it. They left the back hatch open, and they got my neighbors across the street. We got a big problem with that here. Oh yeah, big all over the city. All over the city. And oh, by yeah. the way, Anne Marie, you go to Midas Muffler. Let's say your muffler fell off. You you crawled underneath your car. You know with the hanger, and you tried to hang your muffler because yes, years ago under Giuliani they would tow your car away. You know, no hate abatement. Yep. Now you go to Midas Muffler and they say, "Well, we have our normal muffler here, which is about um, uh, two hundred and eighty-five dollars." But really, what you need, Emery, is a cherry bomb muffler. Everyone will be intimidated and frightened of you. When you go down the block, it'll sound like an explosion. Oh, I know that sound very well here. Trust me. It's, like all, it's all over the city, Emory. And, in fact, in the next yeah. hour, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to tell you how bad stolen car theft is, Anne-Marie. It's gone up 51%. I'm going to tell you the makes and models they go for. You're going to be surprised. Oh, it's got to be Honda. Yeah, they're Hondas, but it's not the number one desire of people stealing cars. And I'm going to tell you all the reason they're stealing cars, where they're taking your car, 
And the fact that they are computerized now, yes, you thought, oh, they can't get my FOP, right? My FOB, my FOP, whatever they call the new key. Well, you know, they roll right up to the car. They got their laptop on. They pump a balloon right into the lock, and they create a FOB right there. And then they drive away with your car, and you say, they promised me at General Motors that wouldn't happen. Ford fixed oil repair daily. They said it wouldn't happen. Fiat said it wouldn't happen. The Beamer, the Benz company said it wouldn't happen. My Rolls-Royce company said it wouldn't happen. Well, it's happening. I might as well do that right now. Why, why should I? Why should I just tease people to hang on? Let me break it down to you because if you're in where Anne Marie was calling from, Little Neck, Douglaston, um, big, big area, WABC listeners. Uh, Whitestone, Bayside, uh, College Point. By the way, people were walking around with stickers and buttons now. Don't blame me. I voted for Curtis. Oh, yeah. It's it's like fast moving. There's been a 51% surge in stolen cars. That means four out of ten. Now, get this. Four out of ten cars that are stolen is because you leave the freaking car on. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta run into the Seven Eleven. I gotta run into the, uh, the, the the juice bar, you know, to get my juice. And then they just jump in your car and they drive away. So let me categorize it for you. I, I know this is difficult for you, uh, Matt, but I'm going to do the analytics. Some do what I used to do. I why am I indicting myself when I was a little whippersnapper in Canarsie in East New York, and we used to uh, we used to go joyriding. Uh, Lenny Beans, Mian Chino, Joey G, the Cheech from Howard Beach. Yeah, and then we parked the car later on. But uh, some of it's because young folks are joyriding, and then they film it and put it on their Instagram, of course. Then others, it's for drag racing purposes. Um, Yeah, I plead guilty to that, too. Uh, When we would get a a muscle car, a Pontiac GTO, Pontiac Firebird, you know, something with a lot of horsepower. Uh, my cousin, my older cousin, Joey G., the cheech from Howard Beach, would say, we can make some money. Let's go to Fountain Avenue and drag down to the dump. Oh, yeah, there were always guys there from East New York, Howard Beach, by the conduit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I plead guilty to both. And then uh, they steal cars now because they need it for a shooting and robbery. As soon as they do that, they dump the car. You know, they give you your car back. <laughs> no, it's not valet parking. They just dumped the car because they got the loot and they promised not to shoot. And what is the number one vehicle that is stolen the most? Now, I know a lot of you, uh, you car connoisseurs, motor trend car of the year. I know what you're saying to yourself. Oh, I know what it is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Pick me. Pick me. I'm Horseshack, right? And then Sweat Hogs, right? Right, right, right? Honda models. Yeah, okay. Nissan, Altima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the number one vehicle being swept off the streets of New York City, morning, noon, and night, is the Ford Econoline van. Fix or repair daily. Why? Because it's the favorite of laborers and blue-collar workers, and they can move it fast. They can move it. Hey, they're not stupid. They don't bring it necessarily to the chop shops. And if they do, it's because, yes, there is a Joe Biden, Boudigier, Boudigier supply shortage of parts. And so... The guy will say, you know, you know what we're looking for. We're looking for offenders. 
We're looking for <clears throat> catalytic convert. What we're looking for. Yeah, okay, just bring it into my chop shop on Avenue D that separates Canarsie from East Flatbush, around the corner from Nazareth High School, right near the old Brooklyn Gas and Electric Company. What is this, that key point or whatever they call that thing, key span. And now you steal vehicles by busting a window and removing a door lock cylinder. You drive away, you make a new key or a new key fob. You put a new VIN number in it. You create the paperwork. You clean the title up. And then you sell the car. And only 60% of them ever get recovered by the auto theft unit of the NYPD or the state police or any other law enforcement agency. So 40% of them get through. And in fact... When I was in uh, Moscow back in uh, 1994, when Boris Yeltsin was in charge, that lush, and the oligarchs were stealing everything they could get their hands on, and uh, Mars Bars was giving out free Snickers, addicting Moscovites and Russians. They're now addicted to Snickers. Uh, Mars, uh, the company uh, said, no, we got to sell Snickers. They're addicted. They'd rather have Mars then the guys who came back from Afghanistan were putting spikes in their arms and shooting heroin. It's the worst ad- addiction in the world. But in Moscow there, I'm looking at the uh, the streets, and there are American cars with New York license plates on it. That was considered the creme de la creme. If you could be driving a car in Moscow in the 90s, the wild, wild uh, 90s, have a stolen car from the streets of New York City— Probably Brighton Beach, Sheepshead Bay. Oh, yeah. South end of Staten Island, out where near Frank Morano lives. And you drive it right over the um, Outer Bridge Crossing to uh, the port of Newark, Elizabeth, right into a cargo container. Next stop, Mother Russia. And then it's being driven around the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg. And guess what? That's still happening. Up next... Gays, lesbians, and transgenders booed Governor DeSantis from Florida, who is here. And they booed Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, who was in Park Slope last night, and they gave him hell. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Florida, Freedom Land. Get on your feet and head south. That's what the advertisements say. From uh, the Panhandle in the west up to St. Augustine, uh, off of St. Petersburg and Tampa, Clearwater, Sarasota, Orlando, Kissimmee, where all the Puerto Ricanos go from the island of Puerto Rico. As they escape, what used to be a population of 3 million is dwindling. So they're escaping to Florida. And so are so many people leaving Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and especially New Jersey and New York. So who's hosting them down there? Ron DeSantis. You know, he is in charge of Freedom Land, where you can actually feel like an American. Be free. So... He was invited to come up to New York City. No, no, not to try to get any businesses to come down to Florida. He said, enough, no mas, no mas. We got too many New Yorkers. You're going to turn our state from red to blue. Stay in New York. Stay in New Jersey. I don't blame him. It could it could go that way, you know. There's uh, the perpetual uh, candidate for governor who's running against them, uh, Charlie Chris, whatever the hell his name is. 
He uses man tan. Something wrong with a guy who lives in Florida. And his tan is out of a can. He glows in the dark. He's orange. Charlie Chris, he's a Democrat. He's a Republican. He's a Democrat. He's an independent. He's a Democrat. And then he always has a beard. There's always some woman around. It's like, hey, Charlie, if you're gay, it doesn't matter in Florida. You see all the gays? Key West. Find me a straight person in Key West. All they do is fly the gay flags there. And then, of course, in Fort Lauderdale, Lake Worth, and Palm Beach County. A lot of gays, a lot of lesbians, a lot of transgenders. In fact, the Wall Street Journal just did a piece about gay day in Disney World that Ron DeSantis is at war with because you can't act like the Vatican Disney World. You can't be impervious. You're a part of the state of Florida. You're not independent and autonomous. I don't care who you're channeling. Go ahead. Talk to Walt Disney up high in the sky. By the way, Walt Disney used to drop acid before before it became prominently used by uh, <clears throat> Dr. Timothy Leary and all those Fruit Loop Troopers and Space Cadets. Yes, Walt Disney. But anyway, I digress. So, uh, Ron DeSantis, who might end up becoming a Republican candidate for president this time around, depending on... Uh, What the former president, Donald Trump, decides to do was invited to come up and speak to a Jewish organization. Uh, His theme is the Florida model and why it's good for religious Americans. I'd want to listen to it. And this is America. We, We like to listen to all different points of view. Well, gays and lesbians and transgenders at first said, no, 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 no. Uh, you say gay. Uh, and it's not, you can't do that during Pride Month. No, 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 we're not going to permit that. So originally there was an attempt to have the uh, speech given at the Jewish Leadership uh, Conference uh, Museum. And the Jews there got Nebuchadnezzar and Schlubby, and they got all afraid. Oh, you know, demonstrations, gays and lesbians and transgenders, and Carolyn Maloney. Oh, my God, that woman is a poster child for term limits. If she has one more facelift, Carolyn Maloney, it will snap like an old rubber band. And she's out there, oh, yeah, Ron DeSantis, go back to Florida. Go back to Florida. Gays, lesbians, and transgenders, you should come to New York City. We're not homophobic. How many gays, lesbians, and transgenders do you think are going to leave the place that they just moved to in order to come to New York City to become a victim of a homophobic attack? Do we give them Kevlar vests and bulletproof body condoms? But anyway, so they tried to deprive Ron DeSantis from speaking at the Chelsea Piers. Now, that wasn't necessarily the best place to choose. This Jewish organization, hey, what do we know? They gave us a good deal, right? The hell are you going to have a speech at the Chelsea Piers, 22nd, and 12th Avenue in the heart of the gay and lesbian and transgender community. There are more gays, lesbians, and transgenders per capita per person in Chelsea now than even Greenwich Village, which used to be the Mecca, or, or Park Slope, or other parts of Queens. It's just, just it. Why do you pick that place? I mean, there, you know, they could have a cup of coffee in the morning and go over and just protest. So they did protest. Ron DeSantis uh, spoke. I don't know if he answered any pertinent questions uh, as to what his uh, political aspirations are, whether he's hoping to become the Republican candidate. I'm sure some of the reporters uh, asked, but maybe he didn't take any questions. I will tell you this, for all of those who are thinking of um, following the exodus uh, towards Florida, 
DeSantis has some problems. He's not going to acknowledge it. I call it the three eyes. He's got inflation like every other governor. Uh, you know, Biden says it's Putin, and the rest of us say, no, no, it's you, Biden. Then he's got immigration. Now, all these illegals coming across the border, right, like uh, 50,000, you know, they're in that, uh, they're all packed up. You know, Title 42 is going to be suspended, and they're all going to come. Ah, you know, the mad dash. Underlay, underlay. You know, like all of a sudden, Joe Biden will be there with the checkerboard flag of the Indianapolis 500 going, underlay with Harris on the other side. You know they want to go to Florida. First of all, the climate is somewhat similar to the, their country of origins, especially if they're from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico, Dominican Republic. And secondly, it's a lot of work, a lot of day labor work. And uh, we know there's going to be inclement weather. There will be hurricanes. There will be flooding. You think you're going to get my three sons to go out there with hip-hugging boots, with gloves to muck out? The aftermath of hurricanes, uh-uh. The illegals, they all line up 4 o'clock in the morning. Hey, just give me a box lunch and $100, and I'll work my ass off. And they do. Not our sons and daughters. So they're going to want to go to Florida. There's a lot of day labor work there. But the number one reason that Ron DeSantis is having a problem, I would have loved to have been there because, you know, when you raise your hand, all of the altacacas there would have said, you know, DeSantis, you, you yeah, you go, you go, you know, how, how do you treat uh, the chosen people? Well, I need to know that because, you know, some of you people down in Florida, when we moved to Miami Beach, you know, you, you said you can't buy this house here. It's in the deed here. No Jews need apply. Calm down, Althacacus. That was years ago. But I would have said, uh, Governor DeSantis, you got a big problem with insurance in Florida because Anybody who has a house, if they bought a house below sea level, they don't sell you flood insurance anymore. Not even the government. You're out of luck. You're out of pocket. And then if you have a mortgage, you must have wind insurance. And you figure wind insurance, what do you mean, if you pass gas? No. Wind insurance, which costs tens of thousands of dollars. Some of these policies are 80000 90000 100000 they only have two major insurance companies left who will do business in Florida to sell you uh, home insurance, wind insurance, flood insurance. AIG stopped it last month. They said, no more, no mouse, no mouse. And pretty soon, uh, Tallahassee is going to have to sell you uh, home insurance, flood insurance, wind insurance. I would have loved to have been there and also hear what he says because um, – Going out of the box, if I had to pick a Republican candidate uh, to run for the presidency of the United States, this guy would be my choice, DeSantis, no doubt about it. But now we also had a problem with Eric Adams. Yeah, Eric Adams. The swagger man who has no plan was in Park Slope on Saturday night. They had their annual gay parade in Park Slope. Um, yeah, Big Bird was there. Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. Naturally, he got booed. He got booed at the Puerto Rican Day Parade today. He's, like, impervious to that. He's, like, he waves. It doesn't matter. People, they, they, they flip the bird at him. Get the hell out of here. Die. Die. They say the worst, most venomous things, and he deserves it. And he's oblivious. He's waving to the crowd. So he was in his home turf of uh, Park Slope last night for the Gay Pride Parade of Brooklyn. And they were screaming at de Blasio, you know, die, die. 
<laughs> he's him and Charlene. Hey, you know, like it's sunshiny. They're used to it. Eric Adams is not used to that. He's got thin skin. So they start booing him. And he's like, what the hell is this? He's looking to his gay and lesbian and transgender aides like, do they know it's Eric Adams here? Why are they booing me? Well, you see, Eric, and this is the real deal. Enriquez, remember that uh, young man who was shot and killed in the last car of that Q train while coming over the Manhattan Bridge for brunch with his uh, brother who worked for Goldman Sachs, who was beloved at Goldman Sachs, had worked there for eight years, originally from Mexico. And remember how you didn't bother to go to the shooting scene because you were with the freakazoids, the trendoids, at the New York Stock Exchange where they were having a fashionista show at 11.30 in the morning on a Sunday, and they all looked like it was S&M guard. Yeah, you know, they had the, they had the uh, rubber mask all on their face. The only thing missing were the ball gags and the whips and the chains. You were there. And you didn't even stop at the shooting scene because you didn't know it was a valued employee of Goldman Sachs. If you did, you probably would have been there, but you didn't. And you went up to the support the Israel Day Parade. Uh, you waved to the Altacacas, and you never went to his wake, Mr. Enriquez's wake. You never went to his funeral at Transfiguration Church in uh, Williamsburg. And they said collectively, the whole family, very liberal, very progressive, they said, Eric Adams, do your job. We're going to have to we're going to have to leave our beloved Park Slope because the city is run by criminals now. Do your job. He took such umbrage to that, such offense. He didn't go to the wake. There were two days of wakes in Ozone Park, and there was a huge funeral at Transfiguration Church uh, right there in the heart of Williamsburg. He did not go. He did not send an emissary. So they were booing him on behalf of their friend in that gay community, Mister Enriquez. That's the backstory. You read something else, and they all kinds of mishigash they talk. He's not used to getting booed. <laughs> not used to getting booed at all. Meantime, uh, he was uh, applauding himself, hitting himself on the back so hard he'd have to go for a chiropractic adjustment, along with all the uh, 51 city council people. Well, not all 51. Most of them are slackers and deadbeats. They're so hopeless to the left, progressives. They love to spend money, but they don't know how you generate money because they're driving the tax base out. They have a $105 billion budget, $105 billion budget. That's more than even Comrade Bill de Blasio had. Not a dollar has been allocated to hire cops or to hire desperately needed correctional department officers. I'll deal with that in a second. But you know what they did allocate money for? You're going to like this, Matt. And they were all for toots about this. They were they were cavelling. They weren't kvetching. They were, oh, we got $200,000 in the budget so that we can put on drag queen shows in the elementary public schools for the pre-K crowd, three, four, and five. So they're paying these men. Anatomically, they are men. They got the three-piece set. You know, they got the tar paper. They roll it out, right? But they're dressed as drag queens. They got beards, mustaches, hairy arms, hairy legs. You know, it's hard for an adult to, hey, that's your thing. Live and let live. Imagine a three-year-old kid. You're sitting there. You got this stupid mask on. Thank God they finally said, you can take the mask off. You got this mask on. And you see these people are like, "What, mommy, daddy, what are they? And then you have to find your words judiciously in explaining to the child. Because <laughs> if somebody overhears you. 
You might be put into exile, you homophobe. So we now have $200,000 in our Department of Education bloated budget. They have $36 billion of a $105 billion bloated budget. That's one-third of the budget with 120,000 less students. And they've, they've had an increase in their budget. 200000 goes so that drag queens can come into class and talk to the children about their gender identification and their sexuality. Do I want some guy with a beard and a mustache, hair all over his arms and his legs, you know, with lipstick not properly uh, put on, with a wig that looks like, you know, it's right off the rack. Talking to my son, even my son, 18, Anthony, was an intern here. He just went to the prom on Thursday. He's graduating. Uh, life, uh, he's not going to be able to understand it. Nor my son, Carter, who just got into high school, public high school, nor my youngest son, Hunter, who just got into a junior high school. These are for three, four, five-year-olds. Now, remember, on any given day, my little children, you may decide that you're not a male, you're a female, and you insist that your teacher refer to you as a female. Or here's my telephone number. You find a way to contact me, and I'll deal with her, my little pretty. This is crazy. And then they're teaching them. You know, it's subject to change. One minute, let's say on Monday, you're a man. On Tuesday, you had a rough day as a man, so you've decided, I want to be identified as a woman, even though anatomically all the equipment would suggest that you're a man. But then on Wednesday, you're, you're flummoxed a little bit. You figure, I want to try everything. It's like at a smorgasbord. You know, you don't want to just eat one. You want to try a little bit of everything. So you're a pansexual for the day, which means anything goes. Then naturally, uh, when anything goes, you have heartburn. uh, You know, you had your roll aids. uh, So you decide you're going to be asexual on Thursday, which means no sex whatsoever. Is this not crazy, ladies and gentlemen? And yet, look at the city council there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, in fact, I will fund this with my discretionary funds. We all get $100,000. If Eric Adams in any way, shape, or form to his new chancellor, Banks, who acts like he's stung God, like he doesn't know anything about it, he knows. If Eric Adams tries to strip this out of the budget, I will take my discretionary funds. I will insist that drag queens are in every pre-K I can't even say it, classroom in our public. And they're wondering why they're missing 120,000 students. They're wondering why moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas and boobies and zetas are saying, we're out of here. We're getting out of here. Look, look they're, they're, no more charter school uh, uh, seats available, although they should raise the limit there. I've already worked three jobs to pay for a parochial school education. You have African-American uh, parents who have Leroy, and they're willing to send him to a shul, to a synagogue, to learn to daven and read Talmud and Torah, because at least you get an education there. Well, that's a little extreme, you know, but the point is, anything to get an education, this is nuts. But there's something else that's leading the exodus, and we need to talk about it. I've been talking about it for, for months, and that is there are just not enough cops. And City Hall and one police plaza, the police commissioner, Sewell, brand new to the job, still 
doesn't know what's going on at one police plaza. Yeah, come on. She's a nice woman, right? Gives good speeches. But you could go to Dale Carnegie and learn to give a good speech. Doesn't mean you're going to be a good police commissioner. She knows nothing about what's going on at one police plaza. There are an incredible number of retirements and early retirements. I've been telling you. Just the other night, I was in Middle Village, Maspeth, Glendale. I said they had five early retirements in the 104th Precinct. 50 alone in the 105th precinct. And I remember a caller said, you're embellishing. You're exaggerating. No, no, no. Let's follow the analytics. It takes $100,000 to recruit, to vet, to train, and to graduate an NYPD police officer at the academy in College Point, Queens. So basically, we become the prep schools for the rest of the police departments in America. They wait till we train them. We vet them out. Wait for about two years of experience, so they get a little bit of experience, and then they come, and they come right to the precincts, and they're bold. They're coming from Dade County, Broward County. They're coming from Tampa, St. Petersburg. They're coming from Washington, D.C. They're coming from towns all across America, and naturally Suffolk and Nassau County. They come right into the precinct. Uh, ladies, men, because the PBA, they're not going to stop, and they say, well, you know, what can I say? You know, if you can make double, triple it, God bless They're recruiting cops. And City Hall, Eric Adams, is in denial, as is Police Commissioner Sewell. Let me give you the analytics. This is not debatable. There's 1,596 police officers. That's a 38% spike from the same period last year who have left, resigned, gone to other police departments. And that's climbing. They anticipate a 50% rate by the end of the summer. We can't afford to have that. Rudy Giuliani will tell you on any given day, whether it's a bad day for Rudy or a good day, he will tell you, if not for Safe City, Safe Streets, which was special legislation passed by then-Speaker of the Council, Peter Vallone Sr., and David Dinkins, the outgoing mayor, they raised special tax money to only recruit vet trained police officers. So by the time Rudy inherited uh, the Michigash, the mess, the murder capital of America, 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings, he had 40,000 police officers to do it. We got 34,000 now, and it's going down, down, down. What does Eric Adams say? Nothing. Didn't even apply $1 to the budget to hire one cop. And it's not just the police officers who are disappearing in mass. Look at Rikers Island, right? Rikers Island. Uh, uh, nobody really knows about Rikers Island. They all pretend to know about Rikers Island. When they run for office, they oh, Rikers Island, keep it there. No, tear it down. No, no, build the new community jails. Almost none of these people have ever been locked up on Rikers Island. So I'm waving like the flanker who's out there, you know, in the end zone. Tom Brady, you know, throw me the ball. No, 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 no. I'm not throwing it to you, Sliwa, because you hate me. Throw the ball. There's nobody around here, right? I'm the only guy who's ever run for office, just recently mayor, who's been locked up multiple times on Rikers Island. I've been in the dormitories. They got 40 gavones in there, right? Don't go to sleep at night or they're going to have a blanket party with you. They leave a... Generally, a diminutive, small African American woman in there, correctional officer, because the guys tend not to give the women a hard time. Guys come in there, correctional officers, they want to give them a beatdown. It's testosterone versus testosterone. All that young lady has, the correctional officer, is a body alarm. 
So if they, like, lose control, which they're always doing, it used to be you could call in the TNT force, the Tactical Patrol Force. These are men and women specially trained on Rikers Island. They go for the hats and bats and the body armor. And then they come in, you know, shuffling one by two. And right away, the inmates know, hit the ground because they're going to be swinging and winging. They're going to separate your head from your shoulders. And that would calm down a riot situation. They eliminated the bing, which was segregated uh, housing in a cell if you were a problem to yourself, to others, and to the correctional officers. The inmates now run the asylum there because it is an asylum with all the emotionally disturbed inmates who should be in psychiatric uh, hospitals And it's just getting worse and worse. So the federal government has said we will put Rikers Island in receivership. That means we're going to run you. Sort of like a union that the mob has taken over and then they they purge the pension funds. And then a magistrate is appointed to run the union to purge it of the Bananos, Lucchese's or Gambinos. Well, in this case, the magistrate would run Rikers Island. So we have a brand new uh, correctional chief, Molina, appointed by Eric Adams, Not ready for prime time. He uh, dealt with the jail system in Westchester County, uh, out in Vegas, Clark County. Uh, Just he he hasn't been able to get any traction. No traction. He whacked all of his secondary officials. It's just it's just not work. So the feds, in their infinite lack of wisdom, have decided this is what you're going to do. You are going to hire outsiders. You're going to be bringing people who are not in New York City, not in New York State, who are from other states who have worked in correctional facilities, and you're going to have them run the jails. you got to get rid of Molina. you got to get rid of the patronage, all the sickle fans, cronies, and lackeys, and you got to hire men and women who are, like, uh, from outside of the system. I would have raised my hand and said, schmucks, putz, putzes. That's what Bill de Blasio did. He inherited a well-run correctional department from Bloomberg, even better run before that with Giuliani and Carrick. They had 20,000 inmates there. They had few, if any, of the problems that they have now. In fact, if you were a troublemaker on Rikers Island, let's say you were an inmate, you came in and said, I'm a general, I'm a trinitario, I rule this tier. The correctional officer in charge of that tier would say, come here, come here, Jose. Uh, Give me those Timberland boots. Uh, We got a new pair of shoes for you. Skippies. Remember Skippies, how, how degrading it was to be seen with Skippies? And they paint them orange fluorescent paint, and they call them Air Giuliani's. That was the ultimate in humiliation. Here is El Jefe, the leader of the Trinitarios, walking around with Air Giuliani's, glowing the dark at night. Skippies! Think of it, when you were a kid, would you be caught dead with Skippy's Hell no. I'd rather walk around barefoot and cut up my feet. So the federal monitor has said you must hire outsiders to run Rikers Island. And I'm saying, isn't that what, um, that's what de Blasio did? He brought in this guy, Joseph Ponting, from Maine. Maine, uh, where he uh, said goodbye to the land of lobsters and mooses. He actually belonged to a moose lodge, you know, like uh, Jackie Gleason and Art Carney. He would go up there once a week for the moose lodge meeting at our expense. We would pay for that and make moose calls with the stupid moose hat on. This guy who uh, came from a town, Augusta, Maine, population 18,000, was running the largest correctional jail because it's a jail. It's not... It's not a prison in America. 
This guy in Maine, every month he go back and forth with the city-issued car uh, and basically disappear for about a week. So there could be riots, rapes, people getting slashed. Hey, where's the where's the correctional chief? Oh, he's in Maine at the Moose Lodge. You know, they have they – have, and, and de Blasio had no problem with that. And then he brought on all of his cronies from Augusta, Maine, population 18,000, where the biggest problem they had in Augusta, Maine was, you know – Somebody jaywalking. You know, that was considered a, fe- a federal felony uh, 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 offense. This is crazy. And now, now that I mention it, it, it reminds me when de Blasio was like halfway through uh, destroying the city that we love. Eight years he took a Miley Cyrus wrecking ball, destroyed the city that we love. And now he wants to be the congressman in the new 10th congressional district and destroy America. And these people will elect him. Oh, yeah, Big Bird was waving at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Hey, Otto, Maricón, Puñeta. Oh, the worst file things. He's oblivious. He has no idea what they're screaming at him. The gays and lesbians last night in Park Slope, they're giving him the finger. He thinks that's, that's the de Blasio salute. He goes, look, Charlene, they like us. They still like us. They're giving us, they're giving us the de Blasio salute. He's immune to that. They may elect him as the leader of the 10th Congressional District. But I remember he brought on for NYCHA, NYCHA, the largest public housing uh, uh, scenario in uh, America. It's like 300 public housing units, right? So they couldn't find anybody locally. Oh, no, I'm sure they looked real hard. So they get this um, this Nebishi Schmendrick from Minneapolis. Wow, they got a lot of public housing in Minneapolis. Not guy named Gregory Russ, he ran like two projects in Minneapolis. They gave him $400,000. That's more money than Andrew Cuomo made. That's more than de Blasio made. That's more than anybody in city government. And this is after a national search. Every weekend he flew home to Minneapolis Friday night, didn't come back till Monday morning at our expense. And then you wonder why there were so many problems at night, show. And yet the federal monitor who is going to put Rikers Island in receivership is saying the only way to straighten out this situation is to bring in outsiders. We tried that before. Uh, The best thing would just be maybe, who knows, as busy as Rudy Giuliani is, just say, Rudy, why not just take over the prison system with with your uh, former police commissioner, former correctional chief, Bernie Carrick. You don't ask for any money. And just do what you used to do. And to those gangbangers who control Rikers Island, the Latin Kings, the Nietas, Trinitarios, 18th Street, MS-13, the Bloods, the Crips, make them wear Air Giuliani's, those skippies. That'll teach him a lesson. W-A-B-C. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. J-Lo from the block, legitimately a Bronx diva, Castle Hill, Preston High School in the neck, unlike AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, better known as <laughs> Sandy Ocasio at Yorktown Heights, 
Westchester High School. Yeah, yeah. She was trying to be a Valley girl. Three snaps up. Then, oh, a Bronx. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you don't have the credit, J-Lo. But J-Lo is the ultimate diva of all divas. And we have an update on our mayor, the swagger man who has no plan how to deal with crime. And his, um, oh, my God. I don't think any mayor has ever had this kind of a rating before, according to the polls. 29% support. That means 71% of the people feel he's either doing a poor job or a fair job. And the number one criticism they have of him is that he spends too much time with the nightlife raising the roof. And I guess he wanted to add insult to injury because he went back-to-back, belly-to-belly, till 3 o'clock in the morning, as is reported by the New York Post, which has given him protection and cover ever since he's been running for mayor. So the head of nightlife uh, for the uh, corporate elite finally came out and said, I understand Mayor Adams likes to be front and center and he wants to rub elbows with famous people, but that's not what the mayor should be doing. We can't get people to come to our clubs, our restaurants and bars because of the crime. But see, Eric Adams in his own warped way thinks, oh, if I go to all these clubs and get uh, free food, naturally, it has to be vegetarian with fish because we know he's not a vegan anymore. Uh, And get everything on the cuff and go to the break of dawn. I'm going to be promoting nightlife. Wrong. But he's trying hard. He's trying real hard. So let me give you his itinerary. On Thursday morning, it was 12 midnight, he went to Rockefeller Center for the after party of J-Lo and all the Trendoids, Freakazoids, and Jet Setters. He was having a great time. And J-Lo would give him very little play. Only spoke to him about mm, a few seconds. He was upset. So he broke out, and he decided to go to the uh, party for the Real Housewives. All of them were there, and he spent time with each and every one of them. And then finished up at Club Zero Bond at 3 o'clock in the morning. And some of the club goers there who pay a lot of money to go because it's a private club. Whatever happens there stays there, said... You come to him at Club Zero Bond in the wee hours of the morning to get things done. In the vernacular of Curtis Lewa, you come there to wine, dine, and pocket line him because whatever happens at a private club stays at a private club. Two nights in a row. Two nights in a row with all the crime that we got going. But... Let me give you an update on uh, AOC because at the Puerto Rican Day Parade uh, earlier, and I went up and down three times, three times before I had to come back to do the 3 to 5 o'clock show. Three times. That's what I always do. I walk the length of the parade the first time, then I walk in the parade, then I walk the length of a parade the third time. And people, they get vertigo saying, didn't I see you already two, three times? I said, it must have been another guardian angel because uh, I'm Curtis Lee in the flesh. Oh, vaya Boricua! Silva. So anyway, AOC is on the other side. And she's trying to convince all the Latinas and Latinos that they're wrong for calling themselves that, that they need to refer to themselves as Latinx. As if they were members of the Nation of Islam of Scooey Louis Farrakhan. And, you know, you have to put an X at the end of your name, like Malcolm X. She was getting no play. No play. Nobody was listening to that. And earlier today, before she came to the line of march, she had a sit-down with CNN. 
I don't know, CNN any longer. It used to be the Clinton News Network and the Cuomo News Network. Now they're sort of in limbo. Maybe it should become the Curtis News Network, right? What do you think? I think it's worth a shot. But she had a sit-down in which she was asked, uh, do you pledge your allegiance to uh, President Joe Biden? Listen to how she tried to squirm out of this like a gusano would out of the dirt. I just want to ask uh, about President Biden. He is saying he's going to run again in 2024. Will you support him? You know, if the president chooses uh, to run again in 2024, I mean, first of all, I'm focused on winning this majority right now uh, and preserving a majority this year in 2022. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But um, but I think if if the president has a vision, then that's something certainly we're all willing to entertain and examine when the when the time comes. That's not a yes. Yeah, you know, I think uh, we should endorse when we get to it. But I, I, I believe that the president has been doing a very good job uh, so far. And, um, you know, should he run again? I think that I, you know, I think it's it's we'll take a look at it. Okay, <laughs> but right now we need to focus on winning a majority instead of a presidential election. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you want that lady in a foxhole with you? I mean, here it is. Joe Biden getting hammered. His support level is at 33%, slightly better than Eric Adams, but not as good as Kathy uh, Crime Wave Holcomb, who's at 36, right? I mean, ooh, and they're all crashing. Did you hear how she danced around? She said, I'm not a politician. She wouldn't answer the question directly. And then she's laughing, giggling like the little valley girl she's always been. Well, um, it didn't go over very well at the Puerto Rican Day Parade trying to convince a new generation of Puerto Ricanos that they're not Latinas or Latinos. Even apparently saying, I heard Ricky Martin the other day. You remember from Menudo? Called himself a Latino. That is so wrong. He's a Latinx. What the hell is that? Yeah, tell Bad Bunny that, huh? See how far you get there, AOC, all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America and the Justice Warriors. And then there was discussion about the missing in action, uh, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, who's best known for those who love to do shoplifting, of having his customized bags that are available free of charge at every uh, Walgreens, uh, at every um, CBS and every Dwayne Reed, all you do is you say, I'm here to loot, not shoot. Could I have my free uh, D.A. Alvin Bragg swag bag? And then they just go through the aisles like like, um, like locusts through the cornfield. Well, uh, in the uh, debate, not debate, in the discussion that John Katzmatidis had earlier today on Sunday, he always has newsmakers, and that news leads, and then it bleeds into the newspapers, and then sometimes it has a life for 48 hours. Well, with former police commissioner, the longest serving police commissioner in the history of the NYP, 12 years, Ray Kelly, father of our own Craig Kelly, uh, he and John discussed, is there a way to get rid of Alvin Bragg the same way that they got rid of Boudin, Boudin, Boudin in San Francisco? So New York doesn't have that uh, capability. Only the governor can remove uh, a district attorney, and uh, that's not going to happen. Well, so, I think that, that's going to be the big the big push this November's election. Who's for law and order? Well, it, it, it's going to be uh, an issue, no no question about it. But I don't think the current governor, Governor Hochul, is going to touch this because uh, it's toxic as far as the politics are concerned. 
she doesn't want to do anything that looks like she's upsetting any uh, any group or any uh, you know constituents that uh, uh, would be upset with it. So no, I, I think Alvin Bragg, unfortunately, is here to stay at least for for uh, the rest of his uh, term, first term. Let's hope that's it. Let me add a caveat to that, Ray Kelly. Uh, respectfully, if a Republican is elected governor, he will be fired. Obviously, my candidate is Andrew Giuliani, if it turns out to be Congressman Zeldin or Rob Astorino. I don't know about Harry Wilson. He gave uh, Alvin Bragg money <laughs> on his campaign. He said, oh, he's an old classmate of mine. Uh, I'm going to exempt him from this discussion. But there's no doubt uh, that whoever survives the um, Republican process, and it is heated, with the announcement uh, earlier today at BlackRock, uh, CBS, uh, Channel 2, that the debate, their first debate tomorrow night, uh, actually 7 o'clock, uh, hosted by Marsha Kramer, the dean of newscasters, uh, will have Congressman Lee Zeldin, Rob Astorino, and uh, Wilson in studio. But they uh, have said to Andrew Evilice, not Andrew Evilice Cuomo, see, that's the problem. You mention Andrew, you think Cuomo, not Giuliani. Even I fall into that trap. Uh, but Andrew Giuliani has been told, you're not vaccinated, you can't be in the studio. And so uh, Andrew has fought that, had a press conference with those uh, valiant workers who lost their jobs, even though they were heroes. At the start of the lockdown and pandemic, they were outside of Channel 2, supporting Andrew's right to be in that studio and involved in the debate. Firefighters, cops, social workers, um, healthcare workers, and teachers. We'll see what CBS does. But I have a feeling it's going to be uh, Hollywood Squares. You know, Andrew will be on the outside looking in, probably with Paul Lynn there also. And I, I am telling you, <clears throat> don't take any offense to this, but as a kid growing up watching Hollywood Squares, great show, by the way, great show. Paul Lynn was gay. This is gay, gay month, right? There's no doubt about it. He never acknowledged that. But I don't think there was any doubt about that at all. So you will see Andrew Giuliani in a box there in the corner. And who knows, maybe they will have resurrected Paul Lynn, so you actually think it's Hollywood Squares. Uh, But let me give you something else on the news front. Uh, Finally, in Washington, D.C., there was a bipartisan, apparently, uh, solution that came up uh, about the gun problems uh, in our schools, in our streets, in our places of business by the U.S. Senate a bipartisan effort that included 10 GOP senators that you needed to overcome a 60-vote threshold. This is the framework that they agreed on. They would strengthen the red flag laws in each and every state. They would spend more money on mental health services in each and every of the 50 states. Uh, They would improve the background checks to the point where you can now look into juvenile records for background checks. That's good. Uh, and they would uh, have money to uh, to uh, secure the schools, to make them less likely uh, to be violated and subject to uh, an incursion in which teachers, administrators, uh, workers, uh, and children uh, are shot and killed. But. They will not raise the age to buy a long gun, a rifle, to 21. And there is no assault weapons ban, none whatsoever. That's the compromise, as was announced earlier today. We'll see if they uh, stick to it. W-A-B-C.
Individual rates, coverage, offerings, and savings may vary. Subject to terms and conditions not available in all areas. Small businesses are the backbone of America. Yet when it comes to workers' comp insurance, you rarely get the savings you deserve. That's because insurance companies tend to lump you in with other businesses, and you could get overcharged. At Pi Insurance, we're on a mission to change that. With Pi, you get a quote specific to your business, and you could save up to 30% with no hassle and no hidden fees. If you like savings, take three minutes to see how much you could save at trypi.com. Pi makes workers' comp insurance as easy as Pi, with friendly representatives just a call away. No wonder customers rate our service excellent on Trustpilot. You work hard to build your business and keep your employees safe. You deserve more from your workers' comp provider. See how much you could save with Pi Insurance. Ask your agent for Pi or get a quote today at trypie.com. That's T-R-Y-P-I-E.com. All weekend long, you have a chance to go to the Mount Laredo Food Festival in Staten Island with your sausage and peppers. Meantime, as you walk about, the pains may start shooting up from your ankles through your toes. Right away, you want to reach for an anison or a bufferant stop. If it's long-term, you're going to need Trinity Rehab and its EPAT machine, which is FDA-approved. It breaks up scar tissue, gets rid of pain rapido. It's effective for conditions like back and neck pain, tennis, elbow, shoulder, tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, and knee pain. In just three five-minute sessions, you can be virtually pain-free, and you're not popping any pain-killing pills. Trinity Rehab, open all throughout New Jersey, in Clifton, Paramus Way, in Short Hills, Emerson, East Windsor, Shrewsbury, Wall, Woodbridge, and two brand new locations in Hackensack and Wyckoff. Call Trinity Rehab today at 800-518-0977 or go to trinity-rehab.com. That's trinity-rehab.com. People listen to people who jumpstart their morning. Listening to Bernie and Sid in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 10. Then Brian Kilmeade at 10. Greg Kelly at 1 p.m. Rudy Giuliani at 3. Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour at 4. Cats at night at 5. The Great One, Mark Levin at 6. Bill O'Reilly at 9. Rita Cosby at 10. Dominic Carter at midnight. And then the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. No, don't get excited, Matt. Bad Bunny was not at the annual Puerto Rican Day Parade on the float up Fifth Avenue. No, he wasn't there. And I got to tell you, if uh, if all of a sudden AOC all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors, better known as Sandy Ocasio, when she attended the very privileged Yorktown Heights High School in Upper Westchester, She's not Jenny from the block. No, no. Nobody's ever seen her in Parkchester, but let me let me not digress. Can you imagine if AOC walked up to Bad Bunny, who's like the bomb in Puerto Rico? He's like one of the few who stay. Uh, Bad Bunny, from now on, can you refer to yourself not as a Latino, but a Latinx? What do you think he would say? I know what he would say, and I'm not going to say it now because I'll get knocked off the air. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's uh, Maria. 
Who's calling from Brooklyn? Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maria. Curtis, every time I listen to you at night, you have me laughing on stitches, the way you go at Frank and everything. It is so entertaining. I'm Hispanic, and I've told you this before. Real Hispanics, and I don't mean in a disrespectful way. I mean liberal Hispanics. They like to call themselves Latinos. But Hispanics, the ones that we've been here so long and we know our history, we like to be called Hispanics. Latino is a, is a term used uh, by other cultures. The French are Latins. The Romanians are Latins. So I've always said, we, we, our own group, we're not really Latinos, we're Hispanics. But if you're liberal, you now want to call you Latinx. And about Frank, I have to tell you, Curtis, I have a beef with him. Mm. And since you like to enlighten his uh, sometimes little faults, he tells the audience that on Fridays you could call and ask anything. Well, that's not true. His screeners don't allow us to ask anything. So you might want to tell him that. He's not being uh, um, direct or he's not being um, clear as far as what he wants us to ask because we don't, we're not allowed to ask him just anything in the air like he claims. No, no. In fact, uh, you can't ask him how old he is. He won't answer that question. He refuses to. He, gets, he takes offense to that. He takes umbrage to that. It's false advertising. It's what politicians do. Yes. You know, Frank should just retire and become a politician because he sounds like one at times. You have me on stitches when you go at him. Good for you. And let me tell you something. I just love listening to you, and I feel bad for him because little by little, guess who's taking the stage in that radio? That's you right. Let me, let, let, me give you, let me give you an update, Maria. Uh, when I came back after losing the Eric Adams... Five days later, I was back on the air, courtesy of John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, owner and operators of our parent company, Red Apple Media, who uh, gave me a no-cut contract for 30 years, said I can be on the air till I'm 98. And I said to him, uh, I said to Margot, you know, I'm like a cat with nine lives. I've used eight of them. Don't worry about it. And then they gave me all different time slots, and I welcomed it. And I said, how do I... How do I get to the the top of the ratings chart again? Because a lot of good talk show hosts and hostesses, and I notice I I study the numbers, and Maria, uh, Frank Morano was well ahead of everybody. So, for example, in one given hour, if you had 100 radios tuned to WABC, 20 radios would be uh, turned on when Frank was on, and then only 17 when I was on. So I was like number two, but right behind him. And then I said, there's only one way for me to surpass this guy who now management and ownership is calling him the golden calf. He can do no wrong. He's the untouchable. He is the future. He is the here and now of talk radio. I got to beat him in the ratings. So now if you notice, Maria, you can have lunch with me. That's right. For 45 minutes each day, Monday through Fridays from 1215 to uh, 1 right after Bill O'Reilly's 15 minute update. And I do a rip and read and commentary. No calls. And then, obviously, uh, I do my own form of the other other side of midnight, uh, Saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 until the break of dawn, and then Sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6. And then Saturday afternoons, it's Anthony Weiner for an hour going solo, and then I join him from 3 to 4. Sunday afternoons, as you saw just hours ago, 
after walking up and down Fifth Avenue three times in the Puerto Rican Day Parade to the point where people were getting vertigo on the sidelines. Didn't I just see you? No, it couldn't have been me. It must have been another guardian angel. Vaya Boricua! And then I came on from 3 to 5, and I introduced all new news that was taking place and obviously went to the calls. And then we had great entertainment. Vinny Madugno, 5 to 6, so nice. He's doing it twice, Saturdays and now Sundays, 5 to 6. He is the uh, new young talent here at WABC uh, from Staten Island, whereas Frank Morano is the old man who uh, is young, but his theme song is uh, Al Josen, uh, Al Josen. Uh, from 1918. I can't believe that. But it is. It's true. It is what it is. Uh, and then, naturally, uh, tonight it was uh, Jersey Joe Piscopo from 6 to 8. The uh, Ramsey Mazda great Sinatra show. And then uh, Dina Martin playing uh, records of her father, the Dean Martin show. And then I'm on 9 to 11. And in just a few minutes, uh, the most requested, most phoned-in segment of the many segments that I do where WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis uh, my beautiful wife, Nancy, the animal expert and rescuer. And then I have to hit the brick wall. It's Dominic Carter, who stands between me and Frank Morano. But I'm telling you, with this ex- extra time, and Matt, I've been following the analytics, the stream. He's been away so much lately. You know, he was shooting craps the Memorial Day weekend, losing his, uh, losing his money like he always does at the Borgata in Atlantic City and shilling for them. Then he went away to Hawaii for a week. Couldn't get that interview with Tulsi Gabbard, you know, lady in white that he adores. Meantime, she's here in New York City. She won't even give him any play, right? Have you heard Tulsi Gabbard on the show? Nothing. And he went for a wedding with his uh, brother Nicholas, who spells his name the Russian way, not the Italian way who is an avowed communist, was on Jesse Ward, is actually saying that, saying, I'm Frank Morano's younger brother. Uh, I have a master's degree. I have a Ph.D. He went to Brooklyn Tech just like his father did. Uh, And uh, he's an avowed communist. So he was getting married in what Frank calls Hawaii. What the hell is that? Did did Mannix uh, of Hawaii Five-0 ever say that? Hell no, it's Hawaii Five-0, right? So he's in every tiki bar in Oahu and Honolulu, and he's like, he, he couldn't deal with the drinks. I mean, man, they hit you hard. You know, they have those little uh, plastic umbrellas. But, I mean, those cocktails and those martinis hit hard. And he's eating poi. He has no idea what poi is. And so the Tongans and Samoans and the Hawaiians are scared. Look at his howley here. He thinks that's a te- term of endearment. That is a pejorative remark about white people. Look at his howley here. He's wearing a flowered Hawaiian shirt that he bought somewhere in Staten Island, which in America here, the mainland, means you're a proud boy because that's what they've used to identify one another undercover because nobody wears Hawaiian shirts here in the mainland. He's walking around there. The TSA stops him and says, uh, let's do a little word recognition, Frank. Proud boys? You know any? Are you a proud boy? Why are you wearing that Hawaiian shirt? And that's really Frank. He's smoking that uh, 10 cent long cigar. He'd turn it off. And a lot of people don't realize that his um, his brother got married at Fort Fort Elizabeth, the only Russian fort active in Hawaii and the island of Kauai that Don Ho sang a special song about. Yeah, Kauai. Could, could you find the Don Ho song there that Frank Morano now loves? Probably turn it into a steam song. So they're at Fort Elizabeth, an active Russian fort for Vladimir Putin. 
He uses it as a fueling station for his fleet in the Pacific. It's as a result of, at one point, Russia not only owned Alaska, but they owned Hawaii. And they sold Hawaii to America for $7.5 million, Alaska for $7.5 million. And the caveat was they wanted one fort to be able to use it so that their ships, when they're in the Pacific, had a place to go. Because they really don't have any location in the South Pacific. And just like we have um, Camp Gitmo in Cuba, which is a little slice in the bottom of Cuba based on a treaty. And you know the Cubans, they, they hate that. Fidel and Raul Castro hated the fact that Americans are there camp, but it was a treaty. Uh, Putin has a treaty, an existing treaty from the days of the Tsar when Teddy Roosevelt won the Nobel Peace Prize for resolving the uh, Japanese-Russian uh, War. Remember, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, here he is. Oh, this is the song that Frank Morano loves now. Beautiful Kauai. Beautiful Kauai. Don Ho. And it's calling, yes, calling. Oh, I remember that when he was singing that on his ABC variety show. Yeah, Don Ho had a variety show. And there's Frank eating poi, and they're calling him a howley there as he's half in the bag in a tiki bar drinking those uh, Hawaiian punch drinks. That's the only place you can get the actual Hawaiian punch anymore is uh, Oahu, and they spike it, you know, with those uh, plastic little umbrellas. And there's Frank downing it. Scraping them off the floor. A lot of hookers in Honolulu. And you know how Frank says, I can't say no to anyone. Who knows? Was Rachel with him, his beautiful wife, or his uh, beloved Carmine, his son? Of course not. He was uh, he was uh, attending his brother Nicholas's bachelor party in Oahu. I've been to Oahu. I have guardian angels in Honolulu. And those bachelor parties have those hookers from the strip. Oh, they're Asian, they're Southeast Asian, they're drop-dead gorgeous, they're Russian, they're Ukrainians, they're Poles. You know, all of a sudden, uh, they're, uh, they can be your bride, a mail-order bride, if you the price is right. And I could just see Frank. They probably came up to him and said, you want a date? And remember, he said, what Matt, he always says, I can't say no. I know that's a weakness that I have, I can't say no. Look, I have a feeling. I'm not going to say anything. It's a beautiful relationship he has with Rachel, with their, their new baby boy, Carmine. I don't want to spoil it. But I know, I know what went on. Up next, she's the keeper, Nancy. Drop dead gorgeous, but she rescues animals, and she knows as much about the animal kingdom as anybody alive. And we're going to go into the most requested, most phoned-in segment of the many hours that I do at WABC, the acronym standing for Always Broadcasting Curtis, the Animal Welfare Hour. Could I hear a little Don Ho? Oh. Over the course of human history... There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... 
Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Once again, it's the Animal Welfare Edition. Uh, Nancy, are you ready to take people's requests and questions? Um, I am ready, yes. Well, now, we have a little bit of business we have to deal with because the opening story I started with in the 9 o'clock hour was uh, Ozzy Osbourne. He is apparently going to be undergoing life-altering surgery. Uh, It involves his neck. His wife of 40 years, Sharon Osbourne, flew from London to L.A. to be at his uh, bedside. It uh, may not go well. As you know, he uh, was part of Black Sabbath for so many years. Uh, Great songs. Uh, No More Tears, Crazy Train, War Pigs, Paranoid, other great classics. But one thing he is most famous for was that in one of his concerts, I think it was in Australia, he took a bat and he bit the bat's head off. And the crowd went crazy, Nancy. Now... Had you been in the concert at that point? Because obviously he was a great performer back then, as was Black Sabbath. What would your reaction have been? Uh, well, I guess being in the crowd, I would have been mortified, although I don't imagine you you can really sort of uh, act out and express your opinion in that situation because <laughs> you might have been attacked by the rest of the crowd. When you first heard that story, because it's made the rounds. I don't know if it's an urban myth or if it's uh, truthful. Uh, almost everybody, you say Ozzy Osbourne now, they say, oh, he's the guy. He bit the bat's head off in his performance. Now, I'm sure you even heard that out in Bohemia in Suffolk County when you were growing up. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely have heard that story. Uh, certainly completely abnormal, somewhat psychotic behavior. But as far as I know, he was involved with a lot of drugs uh, in his earlier career. So maybe that would sort of account for his his lack of uh, moral standards at that point. Oh, a lot of drugs. To the point <laughs> when he does interviews, uh, there are subtitles as if he was speaking in a foreign language. You can't understand what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> That's true. I've heard those too. I think the only person who really never heard that story about Ozzy Osbourne is probably Frank Morano, who's coming up from one to five. You know, he's Al Jolson, uh, Rudy Valley, brother, can you spare a dime? Different generation, different, uh, different uh, rumors uh, about those songsters. But oh, I wanted to bring up one thing that you said about uh, Frank, and this was a couple of days ago. You were talking about his uh, trip to Hawaii, and you said that he's he's going to have to recover from that. And I thought, oh, well, you know, it's a long trip, you know, with a wife and young child. But then you mentioned that he went by himself. It's like, I don't think there's no recovery. That was a vacation to find right there. Yeah, and he's promising to go on another vacation real soon. So I know uh, that this affected our fifth wedding anniversary when I <laughs> substituted for him. I, I Look, I apologize to you. But, you know, I got to eat up more time. I have more time. You know, it's the only way I can win this ratings war, Nancy. And you know me, if I don't win the ratings war, because I always used to be the ratings king at WABC, I'll be uh, crestfallen. Uh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. All right. Now let's get uh, to the issues at hand. Uh, now that we've discussed uh, Ozzy Osbourne and the story about him biting off a rat's head, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 wabc 
Wow, this is good news from Florida. We were talking a lot about DeSantis. Uh, you and I, we have visited uh, the animal shelter in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I don't know about you. I wasn't all that impressed with it. Were you? No. It, well, I mean, it, I would say it, it certainly was a step up from uh, what I've seen with the New York City shelters. But, you know, I mean, in many ways, a lot of the same, you know, overall problems. Well, they have a new law which is going to help care for retired police dogs in Florida. It was signed in by Governor DeSantis himself. Uh, What does that mean for these police dogs, Nancy? This is certainly one of the more positive types of stories I've seen in a long time related to animals. So for uh, canine dogs, like retired from the police force, normally uh, the situation is the handlers, so like uh, former uh, NYPD I'm I'm sorry, police officers in Florida, rather, they would actually be the caretakers because they had that sort of relationship. But if they're not able to adopt the dogs, they'll go into some sort of adoption program. And this law that was signed was setting aside um, a certain amount of funds for people who adopt the uh, retired police dogs. And it's for $1,500 in veterinary care per year. And what's great about this, too, is it's actually supporting a nonprofit organization that was set up, believe it or not, by a teenager who made this, um, you know, her mission to try and uh, make sure that these dogs were being cared for. So this is exactly the type of partnership I think that New York City really is lacking on in so many ways. There's so many uh, small animal rescues and uh, animal shelters that are doing all of the legwork and also just individuals, they're spending their time and their money. And when you see something that is creating great results, like for instance, cat cafes in New York City, just one example, and you, you, know, you don't really take advantage of partnering with them, you're missing out because they've already set the template. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, like they're doing it already. So I think this can be you know, hopefully a model for a lot of other states and cities that what you do is really focus on the groups out there doing good things already and try to partner and fund them. I have a feeling, uh, you know, I was uh, talking about the story that was in Sunday's New York Post about how many cops are fleeing down to Florida because they're being recruited into police departments there. I have a feeling a lot of the police dogs here who are part of the NYPD may be fleeing down there too to take advantage of this new law that will help care for retired police dogs in Florida. Yeah, they, they, would, do, they would do well to make that, uh, that move to Florida. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's our Animal Welfare Hour, the most requested, phoned in, uh, and looked forward to of the many hours that I conduct here at WABC, featuring my wife, Nancy, uh, now, this one we I shared with you, and you shared with me over and over, and I, I, I want to recommend it to our, our listeners out there. There was a fight to the death that I thought for sure this cat would lose to a coyote. I mean, I, I've, I've dealt with coyotes, and, man, coyotes can be vicious, especially to other animals, smaller animals. But I watched that video. And this cat fought off this coyote who was hell-bent on killing it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's great. When you watch the video, you really see how, you know, uh, strong and, you know, the predatory nature ultimately of cats. 
And so, and it was taken, uh, you know, the video was on a deck in, it was in Texas somewhere. So the person had a security uh, camera and it recorded the entire incident. And, uh, you know, this coyote was, you know, probably the size of like, I would say like a large dog and, you know, the cat's encountering it and it's, you know, charging it, it's, you know, going back and forth. And ultimately, the cat was able to escape by climbing up uh, one of the, the poles within the deck itself. But, I mean, this cat held its own, which was really amazing. Not only that, but we've had a series of uh, incursions by coyotes up in Westchester and Yonkers and Saddle River, New Jersey. In fact, they had to call a curfew for about a week. There were so many coyotes that were coming out of the hills. They were snatching up young dogs, fluffy little yarn ball dogs. But I can see but they you don't... Know what? The, the coyote in this video, too, when you look at it, it's it really looks very emaciated. I mean, it actually looks like a, a dog. So it's like the I, maybe that's that's part of the reason why it's actually attacking the animals, because the, the food sources are being limited because this animal really does look emaciated. Oh, I recommend to all of our our, our listeners that they go on to its YouTube, right, uh, this video of the cat in uh, Texas fighting off this coyote who's hell-bent on killing it and dragging it away off of that porch in Texas, and the cat defeats the coyote. <laughs> yeah, it does. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I see in uh, the Mile High City of Denver, which we uh, have visited uh, a few times because we have guardian angels there, Nancy, and we see that all along Colfax, the main strip, they have pot stores, they have bars, they have antique uh, places, they have retail establishments, and they have yoga class uh, locations, <laughs> lots. They, they're into yoga there, a lot of yoga. And I see now there's a yoga class in Denver that allows cats to mingle with the patrons. Explain that. Yeah, so again, this is like another concept of making animals more easily accessible to the public for adoption purposes. So the format of this yoga class, and it's great because it caters to, you know, basically everyone of every sort of, uh, even, you know, those with like special needs. So people come in, they're doing the yoga, and the cats are, you know, roaming around, and they can interact with them, and the cats are being socialized at the same time that, they're yeah, being showcased for adoption purposes. So, I mean that. I mean that's a great again another great concept for where you situate cats that are maybe in the shelter situations. If you want to, you know, put them before the public in a great way. So, I mean, this was again a, a perfect idea, a great concept, and hopefully it gets replicated in other places. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Is a story a sergeant. Uh, was warning uh, pre-serial killer tendencies after multiple cats were found mutilated at an Air Force base. Where did this happen? And uh, give us the circumstances, please. Um, so, so this is in Nevada, and it's at an Air Force base. So what happened was uh, the the people who maintained the premise had noticed, and, and again, right, this is an enclosed area, that there was a number of cats that they had found that were uh, clearly, you know, targeted uh, and, you know, mutilated in a bad way. So they alerted the, you know, the people at the base to let them know, you know, bring to their attention what was going on. 
and to the the person who's in charge of that facility, the chief master sergeant, I mean, to his credit, what he did was clearly call out what was going on and alert everyone at the base that, you know, they were investigating this, something was happening, but to um, actually describe it as there may be some pre-serial killer tendencies going on. Now, you know, after that sort of email went out, it was like they felt the need to, uh, you know, pull it back a little bit. And, you know, the U.S. Army sort of uh, drew back. Oh, no, he doesn't represent our opinion. But, you know, kudos to this sergeant for actually calling out what's a reality. I mean, if you find this and clearly it's, you know, they, they they're basically they're saying it happened within the base. You want to call out this sort of behavior. So I'm glad that that actually happened. And it, it, this unfortunately has it's like the second time that it's happened in any sort of like armed forces um, uh, barracks in the past month. So, you know, again, but just to call it for what it is and to encourage people to recognize this behavior is very psychotic. Well, again, uh, we talked about the two most recent uh, mass uh, shootings and killers, killings uh, by these crazed killers who are both 18. Uh, the young man um, who went into that supermarket in East Buffalo, it turns out, he had savagely killed a feral cat, uh, torturing it and then chopping its head off 30 times with an axe. Then the uh, 18-year-old in Texas was seen driving around with bags of mutilated cats, glowing about it, laughing about it, posting it on his Instagram uh, social networking uh, page. Uh, so there seems to be a lot of synergy here between People who would go out, hurt, torture, kill animals, and then might escalate to doing it to human beings, family members, people at their job, uh, uh, domestic abuse. Uh, There's a direct correlation here. And one of the uh, recent uh, victims of subway violence, a woman who had been pushed onto the tracks, and then they uh, eventually, you know, caught the guy a few days later. But, you know, looking at his rap sheet... He actually was already convicted of assault to animals. So, you know, again, another indication as to why you really want to be mindful of people who are assaulting animals. Because, I mean, th- just think about it logically. It's the, the sort of like one of the most weakest elements of society. So if someone's willing to do that, that really speaks volumes for what they're going to do otherwise. So, again, had they had uh, laws in effect that really prioritize these types of offenses, maybe this guy wouldn't have been out. Well, interesting that uh, case you brought up, they arrested this Theodore Ellis. Uh, he was seen on that video that went viral. It was on the platform of the number two train at Jackson Avenue. It's elevated in the South Bronx. A woman was waiting for the train, and he just indiscriminately came up to it and threw her in the tracks. And it turns out you're absolutely right. He's been busted for animal abuse before. Yeah, I mean, and again, if this was something that was acknowledged and recognized for the issue that it is, maybe this person would have been not only, I mean, even beyond being, uh, you know, incarcerated, the fact that this person probably needs some form of therapy because this isn't normal behavior. So instead of minimizing it, oh, it's an animal. No, you need to recognize this is an indication that this person is off and you need to help them. Our number is 1-800-848-9222, the Animal Welfare Hour here. Uh, which is the most requested, the most phoned into, 
and the most anticipated of the many hours that I do here at WABC featuring my wife, Nancy, who rescues animals and cares for them on a regular basis. 1-800-848-9222. Now, I see this is uh, something that we have discussed while observing our rescue cats. The question is, do animals dream? (laughs) Yeah, and so ultimately the answer is, we don't know. (laughs) But looking into the idea of whether they do or not. So now, obviously, what we observe with the cats, they fall asleep. And they start, you know, having movements during their sleep. Um, like, for instance, Wolverine. Now, he's one of our rescue cats. And we got him when he was uh, quite a bit older. And it seemed like he came from not really good conditions, although the the history was a little bit light. But he had absolutely bad dreams for several months when we first brought him in to the point where he would wake up and sometimes fall off of the surface he was sleeping and now he's better, he, like, you know, he's recovered from that. But, I mean, I think it was absolutely some trauma-related dream that he must have been having. Well, yeah, he uh, was having nightmares. There's no other way of describing it. He f- would fall a long way from the top of the cabinet all the way to the floor. And he was terribly traumatized. Then we have the diva of our 18 <laughs> rescue cats, the Norwegian forest cat, that's Athena, and when she's sleeping, I notice uh, her paws are moving as if she's running. That's got to be dreaming. Yeah, I always assume they're, I mean, based on the amount of time they spend looking at the pigeons outside the window, uh, I imagine most of their dreams are filled with, you know, finally being able to, to hug the pigeons. <laughs> I'll put it that way. So, yeah, I think they're dreaming about pigeons. You mean take down the pigeons? That's what their desire is. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And I, when I've had uh, dogs, likewise, they'd be laying down. When I had a part German Shepherd, uh, part uh, Great Dane uh, in Canarsie when I was growing up, uh, I would watch him sleep underneath the kitchen table, and his legs would move as if he were chasing possibly other dogs or other animals. I mean, and it, and it totally makes sense because they, especially they spend so much time sleeping during their lives. So I think that part of their, uh, you know, thinking is probably much more active than their waking consciousness. So, yeah, their their dreams are probably much more engaging. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Whatever's on your mind about animal welfare, you have suggestions, things that need to be done that's what this hour is about because we take a lot of proactive positions. Uh, what about in this battle against rats? We seem to be losing it on all fronts. There are now, by estimates, about eight rats for every one citizen who lives in the five boroughs of the city of New York. But there is this one method that has been described as a horrible, torturous way to eliminate rats. What are they talking about? So there's a number of, uh, you know, like when, when you walk down the streets in, uh, you know, uh, New York City and the trees, sometimes they have them surrounded by little fencing enclosures. So, you know, when people try to keep, uh, you know, either the dogs out or they want to keep the rats at bay because they burrow. Now you have uh, people who are filling in uh, the, you know, the dirt with cement. Now, I actually was in. I lived in Brooklyn for a lot of years, and that was a common thing that was done, and it was more to prevent the overgrowth of the trees. 
and there was nothing you could really do about it. I mean, and, you know, you can't call the city and they won't really, you know, stop people from pouring cement. But ultimately what it does is it kills the trees. So by them trying to, you know, close up all these uh, rat burrows that are going on, they're actually taking the trees out in the mix. So, I mean, again, this is one of these things that ultimately won't really lead to any solution because you're just trying to attack them little bits here and there. But the population is so large that, I mean, even the city, you know, they have like, uh, you know, oh, there's so many rat complaints going on. So the Department of Sanitation uh, launched a waste container pilot program. I mean, this is like the same thing they do all the time. Oh, new garbage cans. Oh, they have covers. Like, yeah, that's great. But it doesn't actually address the problem. And, you know, maybe they'll move somewhere else. They just procreate too fast. So you have to have something that's a little bit more holistic, so to speak. And again, this is why like the colony cats make a lot of sense. This is the reason why bodegas have the cats. It keeps them at bay. So, you know, I think they should start really incorporating colony cats outside instead of trying to, you know, damage trees, kill trees. Like, I mean, this it's not doing anything. Well, that reminds me of the book, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And we had a parks commissioner years ago. I first met him. He was a city councilman. I testified that when I started the Guardian Angels, uh, he went on to become the parks commissioner for Mayor Rudy Giuliani. His name was Henry Stern. He was a very eclectic kind of guy. He had his dog. I think his dog's name was Boomer, uh, the lab. He would walk around and he would have his aide give everybody a nickname and a number. You carry a book uh, if he knew you. And he wanted to charge people with arborside, even oh, nice. the, even delivery people who would put chains around trees, you know, as they would uh, chain their bicycles to a tree, it would damage the tree. He wanted them charged with arborside. Uh, he went after them. He really had the parks police, because there is a parks police division, go after them. He had a press conference uh, years later on Pelham Parkway, where there are a lot of trees, which is right where Regis Philbin, uh, the great comedian and obviously talk show host, grew up. And I remember there was Regis Philbin and there was Henry Stern, and they were advocating that people actually be sent to jail for arborside for destroying these beautiful trees in our city's park system and in the public ways, many of which have been growing for years and years and years. Yeah, I mean, maybe the the tying a bike up to a tree, that would be a little excessive in my opinion. But absolutely, I think when people are pouring cement onto dirt to, to do whatever they're trying to do, whether keep away the rats or the dogs, and they're killing a tree. I mean, you see how large these trees are, how many years they live. I mean, you don't own the tree. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, and New York City, you need much more of that. So there's a lot of cutting down of trees only to plant little new seedlings. So I think you need to protect the trees that already exist. Henry Stern, the Parks Commissioner, knew all the parks. He knew everything about the parks. Maybe the greatest Parks Commissioner we ever had. I had a sit-down with him uh, at the uh, Parks Department headquarters in Central Park. And I said, you know, I said, the same way I, I, I do to animal lovers, you know, if your your animal was harmed or your relative was harmed, uh, who would you be more concerned about? And most animal lovers say my animal. I'd want the death penalty for the person who abused my animal. I said to Henry Stern, I said, the law should be more serious towards whom? 
humans who are uh, attacked or trees uh, that uh, have been victims of arborsite. And he said to me straight up, without blinking, he said, let me tell you something, Curtis. A tree can't defend himself. A human being can. Well, that's when you know you appointed the right person to the job. Oh, yeah. Nobody knew more about <laughs> parks. He knew the animals in the parks, the birds, their migratory patterns. The greatest parks commissioner we ever had in the city of New York who lived, breathed, ate, and actually turned our park system around. Because when David Dinkins was in charge, the park system just became a uh, place where junkies and degenerates and pervs hung out. That all changed with Henry Stern because he made sure that Rudy Giuliani prioritized it. Uh, there's another story here. You're going to have to give a little explanation to this uh, this book by called Wastelands. What does it have to do with animal rights issues? Oh, okay. So this is um, where uh, hogs are being housed, like so in close proximity to where people live. So it's it's talking about. Um, you know, the actual, the farms that the, the hogs, and, and, and it's funny because the New York Times even covered this. So um, the North Carolina residents, they're standing up to like meatpacking companies polluting their communities. So obviously a lot of these places that this is their business to deal with having animals and, you know, putting them in the, the food stream. Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of uh, external waste involved, including just the, the smells and the scents. And people are really getting annoyed by this. So this is what this whole uh, story is about, like people sort of fighting back to say, look, we don't want this in our community. Well, this is North Carolina, which is now number two in hog production, second only to Iowa, where there are more pigs than people in Iowa. And I want to tell you, um, I don't know people, they haven't really had experiences with pigs the way I did when I was a young boy. Uh, My father and mother brought me out uh, for Christmas to uh, the Sliwas, uh, who used to live in Chicago, Southside 46 in Rockwell, and then moved out to the Sliwa compound. There were subdivisions in Lockport, which was between Joliet, which had the large-walled prison that a lot of guys were incarcerated in, and Chicago. And uh, it was my job to go out with my grandfather, Anton, after the dinner. We were there for two weeks, and we would feed the hogs in the hog pen, uh, all the extra food. And I got to tell you, these hogs are smart. Well, they're not quite humans, but they're intelligent. Uh, I, I would bet you, having seen the Belmont Stakes, uh, the last leg of the Triple Crown on Saturday, I would put a hog up against a thoroughbred horse. There's no doubt in my mind the hogs are smarter than the thoroughbred horses, who are not very smart at all. I mean, when you see the the level of cognition that they clearly have when they're uh, showcased in some way, you know, where they're being treated appropriately, you know, it, it really, um, you know, lets you know this is what they are, that they're living, feeling individuals, more or less. And to see them in the situation they are when they're being used for food sources, things like that. Again, I think something for any of these companies that are utilizing these animals there should be some requirement besides the fact that they're having to just take care of them more appropriately, but they don't make any of the money from the sales that are going on. So I think there should be portions of the fund that ultimately go to 
their ultimate welfare and well-being. And hopefully they can get out of this system at some point because, I mean, there's so many food alternatives. I don't think you need to even utilize animals anymore. I don't think it's healthy. I think, you know, that should be the, the goal for everyone. I remember slopping the hogs 14 days in a row with my grandfather Anton with a pail of the scraps, the leftovers. And I got to tell you, those pigs, those hogs were like super intelligent, really intelligent. You know, it's like when you read Animal Farm and you, you see the main character is Napoleon, who's based on Stalin, you know, an authoritarian Putin kind of person. Uh I remember reading Animal Farm after when I came back to New York and it was like uh, we had to read uh, it over the summer. And I said, you know, it's supposed to be fantasy Animal Farm, the pig. But the pigs that I was slopping the hog, suey, 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 had almost at times what I perceived to be almost human-like intelligence. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's the Animal Welfare Hour. We'll take your calls on any uh, items dealing with the animal community. And then the buffer comes up, the barrier, Dominic Carter, so that I can't uh, be an inquisitor of Frank Morano upon his return from Hawaii, as he calls it, and his inability still to get an interview with a lady in white, uh, Kelsey Tabbard can't get an interview with her, even though he shares the ideology with her. She was right here in New York. You know, she was on uh, Fox News Channel like three days in a row. New York. He gets no play. WABC. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Art with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go. To David, who's calling from Maspeth. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Dave. Yeah, yeah, Curtis. You know, I I never had hogs, but my aunt and uncle up in Chestertown, New York, you know where that is? No. Well, you know, Scroon Lake and uh, Lake George? Yes. Yeah, no, no, I I have a good idea now where it is. Well, it's it's around there. And uh, they had hogs. And you know what? If you didn't feed those hogs on time, they had big board, you know, fence around, and you didn't feed them on time, they would get, they would break down the boards. I mean, these weren't uh, like little boards. They were like uh, three-quarter-inch boards, and then we had to chase them you know, through the woods, you know, up and down. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how we got him back in, but. Did you, you ever, uh, David, did you ever end up wrestling the hog down? No. You know, they were very friendly. No, oh, no, they, 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 there's no doubt. Uh, the, the hogs I was slopping uh, in the pen. In Lockport, Illinois, in the subdivision uh, of my grandfather and grandmother, Anton and Wanda Sliwa. 
uh, was like they were members of the family, Nancy. They they were like uh, the way our cats are with us. That's our family members. These hogs were family members. I think at times they liked the hogs more than my father, Chester, the oldest brother, his younger brother, Leonard, Smitty, and Ernie. They spent more time talking to the hogs than, than to their sons because they said their sons were hard-headed. The hogs they'd have a conversation with. Incredible. Anyway, let's you know, go. Funny with, with, the, with the cats, it's like they, they always wake us up when they, they want to eat food, and sometimes they're very aggressive and loud, and you're, they might knock something over. They're trying to get at something. But uh, Wolverine, one of our really, you know, nice, uh, kind, timid cats, will just stare at you. So when you wake up, it's like there's this face, like, looking right at you just to let you know, like, all right, get up. You need to feed us. It's like a buzzard staring at a carcass. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Sydney calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sydney. Hey, hi, guys. I got a question concerning uh, my cat. She had one kitten. It's about four weeks old, and a friend of mine wants to take it, but I believe it's a little too young. I think it needs some more time to be weaned. Is there like a you know, certain amount of weeks that I can? Yeah, I would say, like in terms of in terms of that. I would say for sure you want to wait until something like eight weeks, so like a two-month time period at least, because where they start to uh, be able to eat independently is around that age. So, But I would say in the interim, if you're socializing them a little bit, so you know, you, you're trying to spend time with the kittens, so this way it's, it's used to um, interaction with people. But they definitely do, like unless your friend is trying to – um, adopt a cat where they are trying to also bottle feeding them. That's a big responsibility. And there's no reason to take it away from the mother cat at that age because it really puts a lot of responsibility on the person to do a lot of stuff that the mother cat is able to do much more easily. And But I, like I said, the only suggestion I would make is that if you just try to spend some time with the kitten this way, during its off time, because it's actually right at that age, it starts getting very playful. So as long as you're interacting, as soon as you adopt it out, then it should, you know, be accustomed to people, which is great. Let's go to Mike calling from Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Mike. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, I love your show, and I look forward to hearing it every Sunday night. And, uh, by the way, uh, happy belated anniversary. Thank you. And, uh yeah, um, last week you mentioned about two kittens that uh, you possibly found somewhere and you possibly wanted a name for them, maybe. Yeah, in fact, uh, didn't you post them, Nancy? How can people actually see the kitten, uh, one of the kittens? Well, I mean, I, on your your social media, um, I know um, on the WABC um, Twitter account, it you know shows the uh, – so it, it's showing one of the kittens, which is the boy – uh, an orange kitten, and the other kitten is a girl, which hasn't been posted, but that's that's what it is. It's two um two siblings, a boy and a girl. Yeah, Are in fact, uh, Instagram they- also at WABC and our own personal uh, social networking. Correct. Uh, do you have a suggested name, Mike, for the uh, male yeah. uh, uh, who you saw Are with me? Both- yeah. Are they both orange or just the one? Just the one. Just the one. Oh, okay. Well, um, well, uh, 
I guess maybe creamsicle or a pumpkin for the orange <laughs> one, and uh, maybe the other one, uh, Toby, because uh, my uh, mother-in-law had a cat named Toby once, and uh, so I thought they would be good. But anyway, uh, uh, getting to uh, uh, Frank Morano, uh, I wish you could take over all the time, Curtis, because I can't stand listening to that guy. Oh, no, no, no. Mike, you gotta, you got to listen, because how else am I going to know what he's talking about? Because <laughs> when I'm not listening uh, to the radio, I'm down patrolling the subways that are out of control with the Guardian Angels. I mean, it's horrible in the city. It's getting worse, and... I need all of you out there to listen Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, five mornings a week, four hours. It's 20 hours. And then also all the business reports. Now, I know it's a little dry, but he might uh, drop uh, a few cuties in that also. <laughs> got to do that. And the podcasts. You know, he's got all these special podcasts like uh, promoting uh, gangsterism and organized crime. Uh, the rackets. Uh, he's dressed up with a... A shiny gladiator suit. He looks like he's uh, a member of the Gambino crime family or an associate or an affiliate. You got to check out those podcasts. He might be dropping a few Mickeys on me. Let's go to Freddie, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Freddie. Hello, folks. Pleasure meeting you both at the PNC Center. I have a cat question for Nancy, but as a sidebar, how could Tommy James not be in the Hall of Fame compared to the zombies? That's a that's a joke. But, Nancy, uh, I talked briefly at the PNC with you. We have five house cats, two dogs, and we have a couple of ferals outside that, you know, want to get fed. We caught the female because she had gotten pregnant a couple of times. We had her fixed. Uh, she couldn't be domesticated, so she's back in our yard, but she's fixed. Now there's a male showing up. Should we also grab him and fix him and release him, too, if he can't be domesticated? What do you think? I mean, I would always say absolutely for sure because when he's not around your yard, he's definitely going somewhere else. So, yeah, if there's a possibility to do that because it will certainly just help from having, like, this overpopulation of the feral cats. And, and like you said, even if they can't be domesticated, that's not really a big deal. Because they have a purpose outside if they're, you know, sort of in a safe environment. And plus for the male cats, when they're not fixed, the tendency is that they're always trying to uh, find a female cat and it leads to the males fighting and injuries. So, I mean, this will actually ultimately just keep this cat safer in the long run. By the way, Freddie, uh, can you describe for our audience, most of whom could not be at the PNC uh, uh, Art Center, what a crowd it was, it turned out, for Cousin Brucie and the Axe. It was incredible. You know, I didn't realize that sits over 15,000 people, the Art Center. It was just a tremendous show. You were great. You were mixing with the people, and Nancy was, and you made a nice speech. And uh, little Anthony, it was a great show. I mean, I think they have it every year. We're going to try and catch it. But the big question is Tommy James belongs in the Rock Hall of Fame. Just look at who's been in. He's got so many hits, and, and so many other people took his hits and made them hits again, that's like that, Joan that, Jett. That's true. So, oh, so Joan look, Jett. You guys broke are great. Keep up the good work on radio with oh. the Cats and Curtis. You, uh, I lived in Jersey, but I would have voted for you. Come over to Jersey. What you want for governor? We've got to get Murphy out of here. Oh, yeah. He calls all of you knuckleheads. You mentioned Joan Jett. You know, long before I knew you, Nancy, I had this thing for Joan Jett and the Blackhawks. <laughs> Even though she was a Baltimore Orioles fan from Long Island. And then I found out I found out she wasn't interested in me or guys. Broke my heart. Broke my heart, Nancy. I, I, I got to confess to you on that. Well, well, well her loss is my gain. 
Well, what what an event that was. When we rolled up, we uh, there was almost no parking. We had to go round and round. There was no parking. It was a packed parking lot at the PNC off the Garden State Parkway. Standing room only. I, I estimated, uh, according to the guys who normally do security there, they said easily 18,000 people there. 18,000. Oh, it, was, it was a massive crowd. And uh, the crowd just, uh, they were so grateful, the great entertainment. And boy, that Anthony without the Imperials, boy, he he could re- not only sing, but he was like a thespian acting on the stage. He was like you were watching Macbeth, Shakespeare. Uh, he, he had it all together. You know, it was very obvious. This is like a consummate professional. Like he, he definitely put on a performance. Although uh, I think Cousin Brucey regretted giving me the microphone there for a while. He almost didn't get it back. Yeah, no, it's hard. They had to pull a plug on you at some point. Anyway, let's go to Olivia in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Olivia. Great show. Great show. This is a great segment. And, Curtis, we're going to make those ratings fly. We've got to get Morano out of there. It's giving us Italians a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. No, wait, wait, um, Olivia. I, I, I must tell you, the other uh, morning on Friday, it was the annual Talkers Magazine convention, our own John Cacciavatidis, yeah, yeah. owner and operator and talk show host of his own right, was the keynote speaker and I got to tell you, Frank got honor after honor, award after award, best interviewer, uh, best new talent. They even had an award, the future of talk radio here and now. Could you believe that, Olivia? And his brother is a Marxist. That's lovely. What is sort of a signal of that sent? That's just not right. No, really, it's given us Italians a bad name. He's snarky, too. He's not a very nice person. But I will tell you this. The communists in Milan turned uh, Mussolini upside down. Remember in that square there in Milan, the partisans. But, you know, I did have a quick animal question, Nancy. Thanks for all that you do. You know, and and it probably is online. But if someone dies, um, are there shelters or um, places where... You can leave a certain allocate a certain amount of money for care of pets that um, uh, if their owners die and they can be cared for for a while. Are there places that do that? You know what? You know? I, I would definitely say you're right. You probably have to just uh, research in terms of uh, your locale. But interestingly, um, Curtis and I were involved in an organization like that a couple of years back with a woman who started exactly that concept, like where, you know, either people would move in when they were older or if they wanted some care for their animals after the fact. So there's, I know of several of them, um, you know, one or two in Long Island, for instance, but there are places because by default, unfortunately what happens is I've seen a lot of animals um, in the shelter and they're on like, you know, I'm looking at the kill list. It's like, Oh, the owner died. So by default, if, a family member doesn't take them, they go to the shelter, but you absolutely can make, um, you know, sort of a plans for any pet that you have. So if anything were to happen, this animal is going to be sort of in a caring environment and, you know, you don't have to worry about that. No, I, I assume there were places like that. I know that they have animal hospices. I had heard about that, that care for, um, you know, if they need care and palliative care. And if 
the owners are too old or they they need special round-the-clock care. But that's fabulous. And I had another quick question, and I don't want to keep you, but uh, what about the horses for the um, police horses, the retired police horses? Um, what happens to to those? Do they have facilities to care for them if if the officer can't care for them after they retire? I believe, want, I believe, yeah, Olivia, they do. We'll research that for you and bring this uh, to the airwaves next week. But under Bill de Blasio, he didn't use the mounted at all. I have no idea what happened to those horses during those eight years. He never would allow the mounted police to come out at all, barely for uh, parades uh, and other events. Uh, he... Uh, he really misused and abused that division that was so good, oftentimes during insurrection or demonstrations that would get out of hand. A police officer could be on top of that horse and see everything that was going on. You didn't even need a drone. Anyway, uh, appreciate it. Once again, Nancy, if anybody needs any further information, like the kind of questions that Olivia was asking, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, well, you can reach out to me directly, uh, Nancy, at guardianangels.org. And if you just want to learn more uh, in general, you can go to guardianangels.org, the website. And I definitely suggest to all of you, you've got to get that video on YouTube of a cat fending off a coyote. I mean, look, the over-under point spread is that a coyote is going to kill a cat. And you will see this cat with its guile with its will to survive, use every trick, and it's Felix the Cat bag of tricks, <laughs> and it actually beat the coyote. Beat the coyote. Anyway, do appreciate that. Coming up next, the buffer, the barrier between me and Frank Morano. It's Dominic Carter. Oh, I've got some questions for Dominic Carter, some real pertinent questions. WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC, the founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now, Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. The buffer, the barrier between me and Frank Morano, Dominic Carter. Dominic, you uh, hear this great classic by Sly and the Family Stone. I do. I do. Family Affair. And our colleague, James Golden, a.k.a. Bull Snurdly, had the um, had the gumption to actually suggest that Earth, Wind, and Fire was better than Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, as uh, some would say here at WABC, what say you, Dominic Carter? Earth, wind, and fire. Oh, my God. I'm like the black man here, right? It's like white people like earth, wind, and fire. You do realize that, Dominic Carter and James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. White people would choose earth, wind, and fire. I choose the brother's choice, Sly and the Family Stone. But anyway, let's get down to business. How are you tonight? Very busy. I, uh, you know me with parades. I did yes. the Puerto Rican Day Parade three times. Up really? And down three times. And start. how was it? How was it? Uh, not as well attended as in past years. But none of the bad stuff of the years past. No, the Puerto Ricans uh, have moved up. Most of them uh, have moved out. 
you know, they moved out. They're up in Orange County, Dutchess. Uh, they're in uh, uh, upstate New York. They're down in Florida. It's just like all groups. They go through a cycle. You know, the majority of uh, Hispanics were Puerto Ricans in New York City. I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think Dominicans uh, are that, because... That may be a good point. Yeah, so when I did my first run, I was amazed at how many places there were no people on the sidelines. You remember how thick it used to be? Like yes. 10 on each side? Yes. There was no room to move? Yes. No, not at all. And then there was uh, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, going up to people and saying, don't call yourself a Latina or a Latino, you're a Latinx. And they were looking at her like, what the hell is she smoking? Have you two ever um, addressed each other eye to eye? We were across the street from one another. Her contingent, the Democratic Socialists of America, uh, were lined up with us, although they kept us apart. And we were staring and glaring at one another. Oh, man, it was intense. Because, you know, I gave her the nickname, All Out Crazy. And, and her Democratic socialists were very upset. And I said, don't even try. You know, don't even, because they're very wimpy. They're very uh, nebbishy, schlubby. You know, Curtis, one thing I could not do, right? Um, and, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people on television. I could not do what my colleagues do when it comes to interviewing AOC they sit her down and they give her a pass every single time. Yes. Everyone that interviews her knows that intellectually she is not up to the task and they act like she's credible. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Let me apologize on behalf of this industry that you didn't even um, get into the mix of the award, the annual award at Talkers Magazine, the convention that was held at Hofstra on Friday of Interviewer of the Year. Now, normally, when you were at New York One, you were the face, the voice. You were New York One. You interviewed everybody from A to Z. You still do on your radio show here at WABC. You weren't even considered. And Frank Morano took all those awards. Oh, here we go. Interviewer of the Year. Here we go. Frank is a very good interviewer. Well, you would know because you've done some of the best interviews ever in the business. Frank, by, by the way, Frank is up there. Who gave you the hardest time of, of an interview and would just not answer your questions, no matter what you tried to do? Mm, see, that, that's a hard question to answer because as a rule of thumb, you ask the question twice, hmm. and if twice they don't answer, you move on I because see. they're not going to answer. I see. Um, Hillary was tough. Hillary Clinton. I interviewed her maybe five or six times, and she didn't like when I asked her uh, if she had ever had an extramarital affair on Bill. But but we we made up after that, and you know, so. No, no. It, Hillary never forgives, never forgets. <laughs> And she doesn't is, live that is, far is, from you. Is that why I haven't heard from her? Look, you live in Pomona. <laughs> yes. She lives in Chappaqua, the yes. whitest suburb in America where even the lawn jockeys are white. Trust me, she hasn't forgotten. Now, let me ask you this because you may have to do a little extra time tonight. Here we go. I see that the money-taking agency, the MTA, has announced that it has just seized cars of two drivers owing more than $100,000 in unpaid Verrazano tolls. Because, you know, they use the cover on the license plate or they have the frame around the license plate. One of them is a yellow Ford Pinto. That's Frank Morano's car. They they don't 
I mean, that's the most dangerous car. It used to be the Corvair. Remember, Ralph Nader wrote a whole book about that. The the Ford Pinto is like a death trap. <laughs> you think? I mean, look, Verrazano Bridge. Yes. And you know Frank. So what what is this uh, thing with you and Frank? What do you mean thing? I'm just pointing this out. You, you as a great journalist and inquisitor. I figured since you're the barrier, you're the Buffett. Can you ask him about that? Was that your, Frank, was that your yellow Ford Pinto? You want me to ask Frank that question? Yeah, and do you owe $100,000 uh. in unpaid Verrazano tolls? That uh. mm. sounds to me like it could be. How mm. many, wait a second, <laughs> how many yellow Ford Pintos have you seen out on the road? Not, Come on, not let's be honest. This. Not, all, not, not that many. Not that many. Not and, anymore. And plus, he has a lovely wife and his new child. Yes. Would you put them in a death trap like the yellow Ford pin? If it gets rear-ended, and you know how cars get rear-ended around here, it goes up in smoke. Do you drive, by the way? No. Uh, I've tried four times to uh, take the driving test. I could not parallel park. And, Are you serious? Yeah. And I refused to bribe the inspector in Canarsie four times. And I, he had his hand out. For dead presidents. I say, hey, hey, no, you ain't getting nothing. You're getting all gots from me. It failed me four times. I couldn't I couldn't parallel park. Wow. Now I, I learned something new. Have I driven? Eighteen wheel tractor trailers, <laughs> dump trucks, <laughs> vans, cars. Never got pinched. Drove a van around. A Corvair van, speaking of a dangerous vehicle, uh, air-cooled, you know, uh, no water, for a startup, 40 degrees below zero stick shift. So it would get, even today with uh, gas, $5 a gallon, you could go like 10,000 miles. But uh, I had George McGovern stickers and posters on this van. That was my first vote for president Mm. in 1972. And, and are, I, you, are you always like this with this energy, this high level of energy? Absolutely, until the day I die. Because any day, you know, with all my enemies, especially the Nietas and the Latin Kings, I'm all today. You thought you, thought you, mean you had me at the parade today? You didn't.